0: And welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the 13th season of Hoopsville. I am your host, Dave McHugh. We uh, welcome you into another season of college basketball in Division Three. We hope you are going to enjoy the show and the season in any way, shape, and form that you can. Of course, you can watch the show live, as we hope many of you are. You can listen to the show and watch the show on archives or on our podcast. And, of course, you can follow us all season long on social media. Let's get those out of the way. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Join us. Uh, you can email us. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. And, of course, um, our website is d 3 hoopsville dot com Um, can't wait we got a lot of guests tonight and we got a lot of news to cover and a lot of information to go over so we hope you will enjoy showing up the studio has gone through a little bit of more transformation since last year Um, you may or may not notice we're a little higher now we've adjusted some things we're adding some computers to the mix (laughs) to make it more confusing if we have to um and and i'll quickly say the backdrop will will probably still go through some more changes we're not completely set on some of it got uh our beautiful uh uniform from center which sent to us last year we got that framed of course we got the lauren hill um ohio wesleyan number 22 signed jersey formally framed and lit That's a nice touch. We have some more stuff. We don't have the monitor up and running yet with all our logos. We're working on that. But eventually we're going to fill this. Some of these things may move around. If you have anything you'd like to send to us to put in the backdrop, like our favorite Wheaton women's basketball hoop that we got last year, contact us via Twitter or email. We'll let you know how you can send it to us. We certainly love to dress this place up. You can see we got some dead spots around that we will fill in in time. Another big announcement to say You may be used to us being on the air on Thursdays, primarily in November and December. Then we start Sundays and Thursdays in January. That is changing, ladies and gentlemen. We are adding a Sunday show to the mix. And I'm not talking about just one. Every week we'll have a Sunday show in November and December. So we are adding probably, what, about five shows, uh, if my uh, math is correct. Let's see. One, two, three three, four, five, six shows to the mix at the beginning of the year. That's obviously a lot more. That's more than double what we normally do, thanks to holidays and travel. Uh, obviously, we have some responsibilities with football. But looking at the calendar this year, for example, we were going to do a show on, on the 10th with no Sunday shows. Our next show logically would be the 17th of December. But unfortunately, because of Gallardi and football responsibilities that I have, that's just not feasible uh, I'd have to maybe pre-record a show for that day, and that's a bit of a challenge. So that would have meant the 17th, 24th, and 31st would have been off until we're back on the air January 3rd, our normal first Sunday show of the year. Well, that's a good three and a half weeks without any broadcasting. So we have added Sundays. We didn't want to step on football in the past. We have talked with that, worked it out, decided to forget it. We might as well do it. So starting this Sunday... We will be on the air. Now, we we may or may not be on the air um, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. We're still up in the air on that one. But for the most part, the 15th, the 29th, December 6th, 13th, and 20th, we will be on the air. So it will allow us to get a a show in there before the holidays while basketball is still being played. Allow us to kind of talk about the stories that we may not have time for uh, normally. So we're looking forward to that. Also hope to have a major announcement with a new partnership with the show in the next week or two. As well. Uh, again, you can interact with us at D3 Hoopsville. Hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Of course, um, we are partnered, as we always are, with d3hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. We want to thank them for their support. We look forward to uh, that, that partnership continuing this year and again we may have some we may have an announcement on some new partnerships in in the near future let's talk about other things we hope to do with the show this year going to try and bring our regional reporters back into the mix you remember if you watch this show if you're an old fan of the show for years we had uh, regional reporters on often not coaches but get somebody's point of view on what's going on in a region maybe not cover the entire region but do our best we're going to try and rekindle that a little bit more. We started to uh, dabbled with it a little bit last year. This year, we're certainly going to make more of an effort to do that. Um, we d- we'll do it in two different ways. We'll do it like we will tonight. Uh, we'll cover the Northeast region a little bit tonight, kind of preview it with Matt Noonan from Noontime Sports and now regional reporter for D3Hoops.com. Um, and then we'll also sometimes, let's say we have a women's coach on, we'll bring someone on to talk about the men's side. If we have a men's coach on, we may bring in somebody to talk about the women's side We'll have it probably, our goal is hopefully to have a regional reporter every show, but that might be a little lofty, but we'll certainly try and do that more often. We have some regional reporters in some areas that we will go to. We're going to need to find a few more, but, and we may rotate. Northeast may meet Matt tonight. We may talk to uh, somebody else. Uh, there's a couple of the guys in the Northeast we may talk to over the next few months, etc., cetera, et cetera, um, along with interviewing coaches, and we're trying to do a few more student-athletes along the way as well. So Hoopsville is changing because we got inspired by the NCAA. Tons of rule changes from the NCAA, especially on the women's side. If you're wondering if we're going to talk about that tonight, we really won't. We'll we'll, we'll touch on it. We'll be asking coaches their opinions on the rule changes and such that we have on the show tonight. But we did a full special, rather thorough special, um, probably a little more thorough and a little longer than I planned when I put it together, um, that we did and actually came out yesterday. Uh, if you go to d3hoopsville.com, you will find uh, that information there. Um, and check it out. We talked to rules committee members from both the men's and women's side. We also talked to an AD about the the changes that that's all going to take. I even put my two cents in there as well. So check that out. Um, it is certainly worth the listen. We'll give you a better idea also how these rules kind of came about why they're a little bit top down driven but how D3 does have a, a say as well heck the new women's uh, rules committee chair is a D3 coach so definitely tune in uh it'll probably be worth your while to say the least um so the rule changes will certainly be a major topic and we will go over them in time uh as we move forward as well um got a couple other bits of note capital has been announced capital Uh, University has been announced that they will be the host of the women's semifinals this year. Remember the women are going to Indianapolis to play their championship game along with and on the same floor as division one and two, similar to what happened in 2013 in Atlanta with the men. um, Except the difference is the men D one played in the Georgia dome and D two and D three played in the Hawks arena um, next door, essentially. Uh, on a Sunday, member D1 plays on a Saturday and Monday schedule. The women will all play at the same place. Uh, was it Canseco Fieldhouse, I think it is, where the Indiana Pacers play. Um, now, the game will be on a Monday. Nothing we can do about that because the women play Sunday, Tuesday in Division I. However, we needed a host for the semifinals. Didn't have one in place. They put out the request for bids in the offseason, and Capital will host. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about that with uh, Thomas Moore, women's basketball coach, who's on the show tonight. We'll talk about how that's relatively nearby. Capital certainly has some experience doing that. Uh, It isn't that hard. Maybe a little smaller arena than I think many people anticipated. I know I suggested to one school maybe putting in for it, but they thought they'd be too small. I think they seat 1,500 to maybe 2,000. Capital seats 2,000. So not expecting anything big, but I believe there'll still be a championship dinner. I believe there'll still be um, community service and the like it just won't be a championship game and this year there won't be a consolation game More on that on a future show when we talk about what the women maybe want to start considering to do with that. By the way, uh, with all the rule changes coming down the road, there's certainly going to be some court changes and teams repainting their courts and redoing their coats. I know my alma mater stripped their their court down for the first, all the way down for the first time ever. They've stripped it down partially to get some new paint in there. But I mean full, full strip uh, and redid it and redid it nicely. I saw this today from Oglethorpe. Check that out. The black basketball court, kind of cool. Uh, I'll freely admit, I think that's kind of fun. Um, I, I I like, I dig it. I think, and by the way, the lines certainly stand out more in this look. Uh, I look forward to seeing some games at Oglethorpe and see how it looks in action. But I kind of dig the all black look there from Oglethorpe. Well done, well done indeed. We'll certainly see more. Courts changing because remember there's some lines changing now this year in Division One the they're going to play with a four foot defensive arc in Division Two and Three they'll stay with a three foot defensive arc but that paint and that line will go down in the near future as well remember last year at this time we were talking a lot about Lauren Hill and her fight against cancer and wanting to play a basketball game Lauren Hill made it all the way through the end of the basketball season. Uh, much longer than her doctors anticipated. It was awesome. She got to be, or I should say, she was alive and see the Division I championships, though died a short time later. They are going to have a game on Saturday at Xavier. Hiram and Mount St. Joe, the two teams who played last year in that terrific November 2nd game, they will play off again, and Xavier will be playing in a game, nice little classic there, to honor Lauren Hill. And they are giving away a bobblehead. Check out the Lauren Hill bobblehead outstanding just and it's in it's in an ode to her left-handed layup in that game on the second obviously proceeds from from the game and everything else going to help fight uh pediatric brain cancer that that lauren unfortunately succumbed to but talk about an awesome bobblehead! if i could find a way to get one even pay for one for the donation and put it in our backdrop we would do it nonetheless that's an awesome picture um, and, and hats off to that ongoing effort as well. You also remember there's a Lauren Hill game, I believe, that uh, one of the broadcasting groups, the one that did last year's game, will be doing from now on as well. And then some sad news to report besides the passing of Lauren Hill. Uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. But before we go, we're going to be going to break here momentarily. want to mention who we have on the show tonight. We will be talking to the two preseason number one teams. Uh, they include Augustana's Gray Giovanni, and we'll be talking to Thomas Moore, Jeff Hans, the head coaches for those two programs. Obviously, um, Thomas Moore coming off the championship and Augustana coming off the runner-up. We'll talk to those two teams about the expectations this year, the look at their own conferences, and, of course, their own regions as well. And we'll talk to the men's basketball committee chair, nuke chair this year. I think we're what, fourth straight year with a new chair, if if memory serves? And really, at this rate, I think we're going to be having one. The chair is going to be a new person every year in men's basketball, unless something changes. But we'll be talking to Brian Van Haften from Buena Vista, talk to him about what the committee is expecting this year, the mandate from the committee. Obviously not a lot of work to do until uh, January, but clearly what they're going to be working on and what could be coming down the road. Also some changes that may come in the future years about that bye game and such. Uh, We'll talk to him about that. We'll also talk to him about his team and the IIAC, the Iowa Conference, which is changing in the future, and we'll take a look at that. Also talking to Scranton women's basketball Trevor, uh, Trevor Woodruff You remember, he was a misericordia men's coach for 11 years. Talk to him about the switch to Scranton women's basketball. What I feel is one of the biggest coaching changes in the offseason taking place at Scranton. We will talk to him on the show. And again, we'll get a report out of the Northeast with Matt Noonan as well. And then to the news we want to go to break on uh, here on the show. The passing of Jim Shaw, former head coach at Rolls-Holman. He retired after last year due to heart condition and wanted to take care of that Uh, photo here, courtesy of Rose Holman athletics. Jim was born in 1960 died just the other day. Unfortunately, funeral arrangements are have been set for Monday in Terre Haute, Indiana passing of a great man. He uh, didn't necessarily have, he wasn't married, didn't have necessarily any kids, but his team were his kids. You remember they went to the NCAA tournament three straight years, uh, culminating in the final year in 2014, when he retired Hats off to Jim Shaw, a tremendous man. And an unfortunate passing. We will miss them, him for sure, uh, and look forward to the stories of the coaches. I got to see him in Salem almost every year, and thoroughly enjoyed getting to talk to him and just seeing the smile on his face. He was there last year, despite not coaching anymore. He's got a he had a wealth of information, and of course goes deep with many coaches, including Bill Fenland. At DePaul, he will be missed, Jim Shaw, passing at the age of 55, the former Rose-Hulman athletics coach. We will miss him. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this.
1: College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center.
2: The college basketball experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate
3: your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're at D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, a season debut, our 13th season. On the air from start to finish of the uh, basketball season, as we talked about in the last segment. I want to thank you all for joining us. Don't forget, you can join us on Twitter at D3 Hoopsville or using the hashtag Hoopsville. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also interact with us live during the show in any of those formats. We certainly try and keep an eye on all of them throughout the program a uh, reminder we're talking to the number one preseason teams also upcoming we'll talk to the men's basketball committee chair brian van haften from Vista. we'll talk uh, to trevor woodruff from scranton who we believe we would argue is one of the biggest coaching changes in the off season and we'll get a, a kind of a look at the northeast with matt noonan that's all coming up and don't forget we have added sunday shows to our november and december schedule something we've never done before So we'll be on the air starting uh, on Sundays, starting this Sunday, the 15th, at 7 o'clock. Speaking of the number one teams, uh, certainly one of them was uh, pretty much both of them are going to be obvious this year. Let's be honest. Augustana being the defending national champ or uh, getting into the championship, I should say, and coming back with pretty much everybody and Thomas Moore defending national champs, coming back with pretty much everybody. This was pretty much lock, stock, and barrel. We probably could have booked these segments back in May, but we didn't. We only booked them a week ago. But joining us uh, first and foremost on the men's side is Gray Giovanni from Augustana, the number one team, joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir.
1: Thanks, Dave. Good to be on with you.
0: I appreciate you taking the time. I know you guys are kind of chomping at the bit a little bit here. You'll get things going Tomorrow, Friday, against uh, Wisconsin lacrosse before taking about a week off, or a little more than that, about 11 days before your next game. After a month, you've got to be ready to play some basketball.
1: Well, I, I know our players are. They've uh, been excited about uh, getting started. And, and uh, you know, like so many programs, uh, the kids have really spent a lot of time trying to make strides in the off season, And they're anxious, I think, to, to turn the lights on and see where we are.
0: You guys have also got to be chomping at the bit after last year losing in the championship game to a pretty good Stevens Point team. I remember reading somewhere you basically said you guys just got beat by a better team who had just a little bit more experience. Well, I
1: think so. I I didn't come out of that game, um, you know, feeling like uh, somehow we had let one slip away. I I felt like we just got beat by a, a more mature team, a team that was a little tougher than we were, and Someone asked me immediately after the game in the in the press conference, you know, do you want to rematch with them? And I said, yeah, next year when they graduate four of their seniors, <laughs> you know, maybe we'll take another look at it. But uh, they had a terrific team that was playing great basketball, and I do think they had a, a group of seniors that were, you know, really, really dialed in.
0: Does that make the offseason a little bit easier maybe? I mean, you know, a lot of teams get to that point and lose a game. It can be heartbreaking. You kind of have to go th- look your wounds a little bit, you know, deal with that, kind of recharge the batteries. Does it maybe make the offseason a little easier to know? You just got beat by one of those teams, probably one of the best teams team-wise we've seen in a long time in Salem.
1: Well, I think it, it, the one thing it probably does is uh, um, I think it refocused our guys right away. You know, I, I, we said shortly after that when we reconvened, that's what a championship team looks like. And so my hope is that that's something that's really spurred our guys' uh, in their preparation for this season, having been in that experience and, and playing against such a terrific group.
0: 27-5 and last season, despite my graphic, which we'll get fixed in a minute. It says 27-15. I don't remember those ten other the losses. Uh, pretty solid season last year, again, all the way up into that championship game. I think a lot of people expected you to get to Salem. Uh, certainly thought you guys had it. But, you know, you had some tough spots last season, and the CCIW is always the first one. Uh, to claim uh, you guys as a victim, as it were. Uh, you had some tough battles with Illinois Wesleyan, North Central, even North Park last season before going on a tear to close the season in, in Salem. I, I got to expect you're going to see the same. Uh, Elmer's is certainly going to rear its head even more this year. Illinois Wesleyan is in the mix. Wheaton is certainly going to be a factor. seems like the CCIW, after a little bit of a, of a moment where it seemed a little top-heavy, is getting deeper again. I
1: think so. I mean, there hasn't been anybody going defeated in our conference, I think, since 73. So, yeah. to, you know, to think you're going to go in there and, and just run right through it, it's just not realistic. And um, and I don't think this season will be any different. If you can somehow get to 11-3 and three in this league, you've had a great year and probably can for t- uh, contend for national honors. Um, you know, I think uh, the teams you just mentioned, along with the, certainly North Central with a couple of transfers, will be – exceptional and long before we get to the conference season we're going to be taking on the toughest non-league schedule I think that we've ever played um, you know we're playing four teams from the WIAC and uh, um, you know along with Washington University who's in you know perennial national power we're making a trip out to the northwest uh, to play three games so you know we'll be battle-tested uh, certainly throughout the course of the season and, and have to be awfully consistent to, to really have an outstanding year
0: we'll talk about that schedule in a minute but the preseason poll in the in the cciw has you guys number one Elmer's number two only four points behind you guys of course that was a difference of four points in the first place votes as two of them went to Elmer's. i have a feeling your own vote went to Elmer's uh without calling you out uh illinois wesley and then north central north park wheaton Milliken. i think carthage and coach bosco is probably a little frustrated a scant seven points sitting down there in eighth um when you look at this conference and obviously it's one of the, the top conferences in division 3 and certainly we see a lot of good teams come out of there but we haven't seen a national title for this conference in a little while does that add any pressure from a regional point of view
1: well, I don't know if it adds any pressure but I think it's something we're all aware of and and you know a number of us would certainly love to to be you know hanging our first banner or adding to a one that already exists out there in Salem um and, and you know you have to have a lot of things go your way in terms of staying healthy and getting some some bounces. But uh, I think one of the, the great challenges is the way that the NCAA Division III tournament is set up. You don't necessarily keep the best teams away from one another. Now I think last year they really made a concerted effort sure. to do that. But I've always contended it's it's much easier to get to the Final Four in Division One, much easier. Sure. Uh, because you're not going to play one of the three other best teams until the Final Four. Right. And in Division Three, as you know, you know we've, we've lost uh, two years in the NCAA tournament to Washington University, who went on to win it. Uh, we lost uh, one year to St. Thomas, who went on to win it. We lost, lost one year to, to uh, um, uh, Whitewater, who went on to win it. So I think uh, one of the great challenges for our league is that we often play um, one of the other two or three best teams in the country long yeah. before we get to Salem. And, you know, that's just the, the nature of the beast. But I do think that's one of the real hurdles uh, to, to winning it from this region.
0: Of course, last year you had to play um, a Washington in the second round on a bye. I'm not saying Washington. They were supposed to, we thought you'd play Washington. they up playing DePaul. Right. is what I should say. Right. DePaul upset Washington. And he still had a good Mount Union and a good Marietta squad in the next two games and a solid Babson squad, et cetera, et cetera. Um, real quick, back one last point about the CCIW. I don't know if you can do this because, I mean, we, we talked about Elmhurst, Illinois, Wesleyan, North Central, North Park, Wheaton, all of them being good. But is there a dark horse this year that we ought to be keeping an eye on, kind of like what Elmhurst was last season?
1: Well, I think if you um, – as you said, that the league is deeper, I think, maybe than it has been uh, in years past. I mean, we, we got beat at North Park last year, yeah. and we struggled to beat Millican. Yeah. So there's two teams picked, you know, in the bottom half of our conference uh, that as we look at it think, man, those are going to be formidable uh, games. And so I, I, I just think it's, you know, the cliches are, are you know, there's, there's always a, an element of truth in them, and, and the fact that you're going to have to be ready every night in our league is certainly going to apply this year again.
0: You certainly have an interesting out-of-conference schedule. We talk about lacrosse coming up here Friday, then 11 days off before you'll take on Fontbonne. Then you take on the two le- <laughs> the two previous champions. You'll take on Whitewater on December 2nd, Stevens Point on December 5th, the Whitewater game at Whitewater, the Stevens Point game uh, in Rock Island, before then taking on another champion in the past of WashU on the 12th. Um, just that trio alone. Now, granted, a lot of people think WashU is going to be a bit down from what we normally expect, certainly Stevens Point lost a good amount of players from last year's squad, but you know Bob Semling, he'll put something together. And, of course, Whitewater, again, lost some people, but you never know. But just that trio <laughs> alone, I mean, d- just the fact that they're always in the conversation, no matter what they've lost, in a span of a week, you guys put yourself right on the line. Well, yeah, I,
1: I think we do know about Whitewater. They're going to have seven transfers. That's true. I forgot. <laughs> so, about, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, and and like, obviously uh, – Stevens points to pick to win the league and wash you with great tradition i think uh i I think that i was told in that in that whatever it is 10 day span we'll be playing games against six of the last eight national championships have been claimed by those
0: yeah i think that's about right right. yeah
1: it's something to that effect that was you know i i looked at my longtime assistant tom jesse and was saying you know what what are you thinking (laughs) on on that kind of a (laughs) schedule but it's, you know, it's the kind of schedule I think that you should play when you have a veteran team that has high aspirations. And, um, you know, we'll, again, as I said, we'll have our medal tested, and those are three of the best programs traditionally in the country.
0: Well, then you'll head west. Uh, after playing McMurray at home, you'll play Puget Sound, Lewis and Clark, and George Fox on the road out west. Um, it looks like you carefully with uh, missed Whitworth, which is probably after the other three, I don't blame you. Um, and then you go, and then you're going to head back to Wisconsin over the holidays and play Oshkosh and Edgewood, and then you'll get right. into conference play. So you kind of have a nice mix there. You got some really challenging games. You got some nice middle of the road games that are going to probably test you, but perceive you should be able to get get a win there. And then you got a couple in there that should, on paper, be games that you guys can kind of, you know, do your business and get it done with. And so you seem to have, as you say, a very tough schedule, but one that is certainly winnable.
1: Well, if you've got a veteran team that's going to be good, uh, you know you should be able to win a, a tough road game here and there. Um, you know, you mentioned Oshkosh. I think the, we're playing the three teams picked one, two, and three in the YAC. Yeah. and and, yeah. Uh, and Oshkosh being one of those, I think they would be considered a, a favorite or a dark horse certainly in that league. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, we've always you know we've never ducked anybody, and, and the other thing, the fact is, it's getting very difficult for us to get games. I mean, we've you know the the Iowa conference uh, the Midwest conference you know those teams have been uh, reluctant to, to play and a, and a lot of them you know don't have a lot of conference games to to get you know because of some of the realignments that take yeah. place so you go where you can get games and this year we're going to Wisconsin State League in the Northwest and uh you know we'll we'll be playing the uh, you know a challenging uh slate for sure
0: and of course a lot of teams against direct um you know regional ranking ramifications we will be talking about the the game against lacrosse whitewater stevens point washu and oshkosh uh and edgewood when it comes down to it um down when regional rankings start coming out so obviously some major facts there you talk about a veteran team we all knew this was going to be a veteran team we knew you were going to be bringing back a, a ton of talent uh by my official count what do you have about eight seniors on this squad um, re- right. Returning, um, obviously the likes of Hunter Hill, uh, Jake Norcia, as everyone will remember, Jawan Strader, Griffin Pills, uh, Travian Johnson, all these guys, certainly at this point, Ben Ryan, names that everyone knows from Augustana. So you have this group coming back. You've gotten to, to the championship game last year. Is it almost championship game or bust? not only in the expectations of those outside the program, but inside the program as well?
1: Well, we, we've we talked about uh, really recognizing that this is a new team. I think you often can make the mistake of of thinking you're going to continue off uh, from where you were last year. And, and uh, you know, as I said, we had five seniors on last year's team yeah. and, you know, a couple of real key players and some great teammates and great leaders. Every team has its own dynamic, its own chemistry, and, We've really worked to make sure this team develops its own identity. We've got more newcomers probably than we've ever had and some that are going to play. And, 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 and we've got enough good newcomers to challenge our veterans. We've had some internal development and growth from some guys coming back that didn't play a lot last year. So, it's you know, we, we've, we, we talked at the very first team meetings. We put what we call up our destinations. Then we erase it and just talk about having a great practice today. Um, and so the, you know, that we know that somewhere way out there at the end of the year is the possibility to, to move forward in a tournament, but our, our real focus and all our energies are going towards the daily development, um, of this team. And as I said, you know, tomorrow night, we're going to actually unveil the final four banner. We've got all the great final four teams of the past coming back from years ago, um, but we've told our guys hey, that's that's in the history books. Those guys are done. That, those those chapters are written. This year's team has yet uh, to write the forward. You know, to to the book that they're going to compose. And so that that's the mentality that we've approached it with. Is is, is last year um, is is history. And if you want to do something special, you've got to do it in the here and now.
0: I was going to say you almost have to forget about the past so you don't expect it to happen.
1: I think that's right. I think you. You know, we we've there's been some incentive from having gotten that far and not won our last game, but um but you know, we've we've looked at nothing but UW lacrosse as it's as it's the only game on our schedule because it is the only one that, that matters right now.
0: Uh would be remiss if we didn't talk, especially with coaches early on in the season with the rule changes. Certainly on the men's side, not a ton of rule changes, um, but certainly ones that will impact the game. The thirty second shot clock versus thirty-five. Um, you know technical fouls that are administrative more of a class B felony so it's you know one uh, one free throw so it'll pick pick things up but also the 10 sec 10 second backcourt violation not necessarily always being reset depending on the scenario right. is that stuff that you have to drill into the guys and get them set for hey guys you're gonna have five seconds left on the shot clock or does that one naturally happen the 10 second <laughs> violation guys I you, you, you got to be aware of that a little bit more and by the way i can't even call a timeout to save you in that situation
1: yeah well i love that you just referred to one of the violations as a felony <laughs> I, I never thought of them quite that harshly but true i, <laughs> I
0: didn't think i misspoke there t- totally didn't i
1: <laughs> no 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 I, I feel like it's a felony when a guy turns it over but um, true. Yeah, you're right there there's some there's some real interesting changes and i think uh you just touched on a number of them certainly the shorter clock is a factor and we've all been practicing with it, but it, it comes into play more often. You're going to see that clock winding down towards zero, I think, on more possessions. Um, you know, the, the official won't give you a timeout. You know, and we take our team on an international tour every three years, so right. I'm used to that. But um, that's something new. And so I, I've yelled timeout in practice a couple times, and of course our guys stop.
0: Uh-oh. And,
1: you know, I've said, hey, that's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, as you can't be rescued in the backcourt uh, quite as e- easily on the 10-second call. I think one of them, David, that's significant is that you can continue to dribble the ball beyond five seconds yeah. at a time. Yeah, And And, uh, you know, that's kind of the, the Steve Nash. You think about the NBA. Yeah. He used to just kind of keep that thing alive and dribbling it out. Next, you know, he's kind of under the basket, flipping it around. And um, that, that one, we played with that rule uh, when I was coaching at Lamar University many years ago, and, and that seemed to really... Be a factor. I mean, I remember guys coming off a ball screen; they didn't like it. They just reset and do it again.
4: Yeah, and
1: it really made it tough on the defense. And I think the biggest thing will be this charge of the officials to um, uh, mitigate contact on the perimeter. You know, to to really go back to any kind of touching or bumping uh, on a dribbler uh, is a foul. And we saw it two years ago, and my goodness, there was so many uh, early whistles in the season. And then as the season went on. I think they kind of reverted back to, to the way things had been. But um, how officials interpret and enforce the new rules will be a real factor as well. We had an interesting conference call this morning in our, in our league about the dunking in in mm. warm up. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think it's a foolish rule, but that's what it is. And and we talked about well, can we prohibit guys from dunking? Well, we, we play non-conference games. That is the rule. So I don't know if it'll be more entertaining or. I, I when when I was uh, a player, actually, just a couple years ago. Just a few. Um, well, you could dunk in our conference. And, uh, and I remember uh, in warmups, a backboard shattering. And, yeah. you know, geez, it was a four hour you know, ordeal. Uh, hopefully, today's technology in those boards is more sophisticated than when we were playing. I know you find it hard to believe it wasn't a metal or wooden board that I was <laughs> playing, but, but nonetheless, it's an interesting rule. Yeah, if well I was, say, them, it'll, it'll to I was gonna to say it'll be interesting. I was gonna say with the
0: backboard, I mean the the dunking one though, conceivably that's something you could just turn to your team and go, I don't care if it's allowed. You're not doing it. Well, you can do it to your team, but you right. can't tell the no, other you team. No, you can't tell the it. other team. But I'm saying or yeah. you know, the conference could certainly do that, but and that's kind of a it's gonna be a little bit weirder. But 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 back to the other one you talk about, listen, the one thing I know they're trying to do in college basketball is free the game up. It is just it's turning right. into a little bit of rugby, to be honest. Right. But that's what you guys in the central. I don't mean you specifically at Augustana, but I mean that region: Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, uh, Minnesota. We, we talk about the physicality of that area right. in Division Three and how it is a, it is a banging sport. How yeah. much you know, it, depending on how the refs call it. I realize that, but how much are you also trying to get the guys to understand? Listen, we can't do that as much anymore.
1: Well, that's how we've officiated our practices and and, uh, and and tried to get the kids ready for what's coming. And I think you're right. I do think that our this area that we're in uh, typically reflects the highest level. And I think the Big Ten, is, yeah. you know, is is a power half court league, um, and that's what you see at, at our level as well. And I think I think it's well intended. I, I I'd love to see the game be, um, I don't know, more free flowing, I guess, so sure. to speak, but. Um, and, and with less interruptions, yeah. um, so we'll, we'll see if that's the case. But yeah, we've tried to help our guys, and you know, we played our two scrimmage games, and so the, you know, the officials that had those games, I think, really worked to help our kids get used to what's coming.
0: Got it. Before I let you go, I got to have a little fun with the fact you guys are preseason number one, along with Augustana out of South Dakota being the D two preseason number one. Some people in Division three thought you guys beat Iowa on a buzzer beater for a short period of time but it goes deeper than that it's kind of interesting read a story you and the head coach for augustana south dakota you guys are friends and go back pretty far
1: We, we really do uh, and let me say, two years ago, we, we we actually outscored Iowa from the field. They beat us in a heck of a game. But uh, I, I
0: yeah, I, I don't think Tom, any D one wants to play you anymore.
1: Not not well, <laughs> maybe after this year. But yeah, uh, maybe Tom, the, the coach at South Dakota, he, he was on our staff. But we were together on staff at Rice University back in the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Our wives became great friends, and Tom and I have remained great friends. And sure enough, every once in a while, I get. Uh, some of his mail and he, and vice versa. And I told him the other day, I said I've been graciously accepting all of the congr- congratulatory messages I've gotten on my team's terrific performance <laughs> in Iowa City. And and that's the truth. I've gotten yeah. a number of folks, that, Hey Coach, that's a great win. <laughs> but uh yeah, we we uh share the same uh, school uh, logo and and uh, and name as well uh, I, I did tell him though uh, dave i said we are we are now going by the augustana oh, college oh uh, okay so to differentiate
0: <laughs> yeah okay that's going to really help us all i appreciate that <laughs> yeah, yeah. um you two haven't played though what the heck even if it's an exhibition game shouldn't the augustanas have played well if they
1: didn't have full scholarships we might play them oh but well, even if gonna, it's an exhibition game it. Well, no, it would be fun, I think, and uh, but pretty long drive. I'd rather play. You know, we've had such great fun playing, you know, Bradley and yeah. Iowa. And, and uh, you know, of course, we went out to Gonzaga a couple years ago. Yeah. And Valparaiso was gracious enough to play. So those, those are great games. where well, if you're Division III and you can get a, a game against a, you know, high-profile major college, it's terrific. Um, so I'm not really interested in driving to Sioux Falls. At this point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you, to be honest with you. Hey, Coach, I appreciate you coming on the show, uh, especially the season premiere here. Obviously, uh, got a long way ahead. We haven't even gotten a game off the ground yet, but uh, good luck. Uh, obviously, we'll be keeping an eye on the Vikings to see how far uh, things go. I know I have a sinking suspicion we'll be talking to you later in the season, to be sure, but as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Hey, great to
1: be on the uh, on the eve of the uh, of a new season, and I think I heard you reference this is your 13th for D3 Hoops.
0: Yeah, 13th uh, full season program. We've been around for 16 years now.
1: Well, that's terrific. What a what a great uh, advocate for the the uh, the Division three program, and and uh, appreciate all you do, and and look forward to continuing to to touch base, and hopefully we'll we'll connect again down the road here.
0: Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. Good luck in Rock Island. I'll talk to you soon. I'm sure. Thanks, Dave. All right. Great Giovanni joining us from number one, Augustana Division three in Rock Island, Illinois. Not to confuse it with the Division two in Sioux Falls. We want to uh, thank him for coming on again. Augustana starts their season tomorrow, the 13th. Uh, hopefully it's not a bad omen. They'll play all- lacrosse at home. That game time, 8 o'clock local, or I should say 8 o'clock Eastern time, 7 o'clock local time. When we come back, we'll talk to the other preseason number one team. On the women's side, Thomas Morris coach Jeff Hans will join us, talk about how difficult it might be to um, to repeat and stay undefeated for that that moment. And while we talk about Sydney Moss being the one that has certainly helped that team, you know, Jeff Hans has a pretty good coaching record, and only half the seasons have Sidney Moss been around. We'll talk to him about all of that coming up. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville. Right after this.
5: Division 3 schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I
6: did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school.
5: I got the Presidential Scholarship which was huge for me.
6: I
4: think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division 3. A lot of people pick schools just based on the score and don't get that experience.
7: Being a Division III athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court.
6: I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader.
5: And the end of the day, it won't matter how they play on the field. It will matter how they do in the classroom.
3: We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're at D3Hoops.com at wwwd 3 hoops
5: Division 3 allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them but really get involved with them if you want to.
4: There's a lot of interaction. Um, It's not just sitting back taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major.
7: Choosing a Division 3 school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus.
6: Division 3 athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. hope you're enjoying the show. want to thank Greg Giovanni for joining me. From Augustana, again, the preseason number one, got all the way to the championship game before losing to Stevens Point. Um, they bring everybody back. Certainly going to be fun to watch them and see uh, how they do this season. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com hoopsville. That's all running on the bottom of your screen. We might even add Instagram here in the next few weeks as well, but we'll keep track of it all there if you have questions for our guests. Some of our guests tonight are pre-taped. Some of them are live, like our next guest coming up. Um, we're talking preseason number one teams. and Of course, the defending champs in Division Three women's basketball pretty much bring everybody back. So they, of course, are the unanimous number one pick, and that certainly makes sense to me. So we figured keep the tradition and talk to the number one teams in the country and so joining us on the hoopsville hotline jeff hans number one thomas moore women's basketball coach welcome to hoopsville sir
8: thanks dave appreciate you having me on
0: absolutely um first and foremost congratulations again on the championship last year though i'm pretty sure sometime in march that was put on the back burner and the focus was on this season
8: yeah we did a little tour for a while a couple weeks and then um started working to get back to finish up recruiting and get ready for uh, 2015-16. So, you know, we're excited to be getting ready to get started this – well, we're not we're not opening this weekend. We have right. until November 18th. But, um, you know, we're ready to get things started this weekend with uh, Division Three women's basketball season.
0: Yeah, a little quirky with uh, the 15th being on a Sunday, kind of last-minute legislation last January allowing the 15th to be the 13th. Not all schools are starting off this early. Just the quirk of the season – You guys will start on the 18th with a road game. You know, you look at this out-of-conference schedule, and and I know you guys want to test yourself before you get in conference. You got some good doozies on here. Um, Denison, Ohio, Northern, your first two games, Hanover, Waynesburg, Westminster, Pennsylvania, Grove City, Center, Calvin, Illinois, Wesleyan. You you put in some tests in there, but at the same time, I kind of got a sense that you, you also got some good games in there to get you guys rolling a little bit.
8: Yeah, uh, with returning as many players as we did from last year's team, you know, hoping the transition to this year would not be too difficult. Uh, you know, trying to get Dennison, who is very good, they return a bunch of players as well. And then Ohio Northern is uh, up there in all the preseason polls. And Hanover went to the, won the Heartland Conference and went to the NCAA tournament last year. So first three games aren't the easiest for us. And, uh, you know, we want a challenge. And, and we're, you know, trying to work to So we're prepared for that part of
0: it. Um. Obviously, the the championship has been on the mind for a while. When Sydney Moss obviously came, that kind of jumped to a whole nother level. Only one loss in the last two years. Arguably, you guys would have had two national championships if not for an unfortunate incident that that injured Sydney. Um, but what what I think I that I gathered from this squad, watching it the last couple of years, and really looking at it in the off season is. This team is really more than Sydney Moss, and people don't give that enough credit. I think we saw it in the NCAA tournament at one point when Sydney Moss had a game where she was in foul trouble, had to come off, and the lead extended. You've got a lot of good players coming back who, who can put in points, who can play solid defense. And yeah, Sydney can score 24 points a game, but you better watch out for the Abby Owings, who was a sophomore, the Nikki Kiernan's, who's a sophomore, because um, they're going to put in points too.
8: Yeah, it's and, and that's how Sid wants it to be. You know, Sidney doesn't want all all that notoriety. I guess to put it the best because um, if she did, she wouldn't be our, our lead, leader of assists. You know, she wouldn't lead us in in that category as well. Um, she wants her teammates to have success playing and have fun playing and and you know so. And we have players around her um, for the last couple of years that, that are able to, to finish plays and, and do things. And, you know, and we we do. We have two sophomores that um, one freshman last year that started in Abby, and, and Nikki could have, but she had an early injury that set her back uh, but ended up being our third-leading scorer on the season. So those guys with our junior class and our seniors, um, four other seniors that are returning, you know, have been through a lot of the battles and a lot of the games. And, you know, it's... It's fun to watch him practice on a daily basis right now because you never know who's going to play, but the comp- play well, but the competition is very high each day.
0: I was going to say those practices must be fun. If there's one group that isn't afraid of Sidney Moss, it's probably your own teammates. Um, when it comes to games, though, you've got to chuckle a little bit as a coach on the sideline if you see the teams overcommitting to Sidney Moss.
8: Yeah, because she's going to find the open one, yeah, and and she's going to find that open one, and and she has no. Um, problems with that part of it, and you know, you mentioned before the game you were talking about was Wash U in a Sweet 16 right. um, or sectional semifinal, I guess I should say. <laughs> uh, the game here, you know, when she went out, Wash U made a basket cut at the three, and and then we got it right back up there again, and and was able to uh, hold on against a really good team, and um, you know, so it, it's just not one, and and she's she wants it. Our other players want to want to continue that part of it, and and you know just keep working that way
0: how hard is it and maybe this isn't the right way of saying but how hard is it maybe going to be to keep the team focused this year and i mean that being so the first year sydney joins the team and granted you guys are having a good year i mean the year before she showed up you were 25 and 5 and of course the year before that uh, when you weren't there was 30 and 1 so she or actually the year before she arrived was 27 and 2 how hard is it? Okay, so you, you, you're you taking steps towards the championship. You finally have now Sidney Moss, which is, you know, a whole other level for this team. You get within a, a, a game of, of getting to where you want to get to, essentially. You have your first loss. Now next year, you fight through all that. You get to the national championship. You win it. How hard mm-hmm. is it to keep everyone focused on, okay, the goal is still the same despite the fact we've now achieved it?
8: Yeah, the and, and we don't. We call it a destination because that's where we want to get to, um, you know, and, and see what happens at that point in time. And it, it's easy because we have them for six days a week in practice, you know, six out of the seven days they're they're going against each other, and uh, you know, so to be able to do that on a daily basis, it, it's grinding. And then, you know, and that's what every every coach tells you. Every coach will tell you that you want practices to be harder than the games, sure. um, just from a mental toughness standpoint, and physicality um all that that we want it that way and and it's no different here at, at thomas More. and so we we pride ourselves on that part of, of being ready to go every night when we step on the floor when it's when the lights are on uh
0: 116 and eight is your coaching record at Thomas Moore. Uh, it it's I'm, what I'm trying to drive at is it's more than Sidney Moss. It's more than what you guys have been able to accomplish. As I said, you know, before you got there, the team was 30 and one. The year before mm-hmm. that, they were 26 and four, 28 and three, 29 and one, 22 and five. That's just on the D3 hoops. You know, look back. This team has always been in the conversation, but I always feel like the team is underappreciated. That even last year's championship, some people went, "Huh, really? Okay." it's got to be because of Sydney Moss. This this program has been coming along in this direction for a long time.
8: Yeah, it's it's been there and you know, we've been working for we've I mean, as a credit to our current players and you know, what they what they've been able to do, all of our alums that that helped us get to this position, you know, and then we're in a we're in a very good basketball area. Uh I mean, state of Kentucky, basketball area. Yeah. But right right across from Cincinnati. Yeah. Across the river there, there's good high school basketball over there that we're able to draw from, and you know, uh, 14 of our 15 players last year on that roster were 45 minutes from here, and you know, the only one was uh, not from this area was Sam Sam Katie that transferred in, so you know we're able to keep good local players home to uh, play in front of family and friends and uh, play at a high level and compete, and you know that's why the schedule is what it is for us is because we want to. Try to compete at the highest level against Calvin, and, and go back up there and and play those guys because Coach Ross, we have a lot of respect for his program and uh, and what they do there.
0: I I don't remember if I asked you this question or not last year, and I don't I don't know the true sense of the media attention in your area though. I do sense that you you get more than most Division three schools might get in their in their locales. But did the Lauryn Hill story? almost kind of help you guys in some sense. And, I, and I, I mean that from the vantage point of she grabbed a lot of headlines at the beginning of last year and especially the good good portion mm-hmm. of the November and December time period, all for good reason. Yep. But it kind of allowed your team, who's in the area, to kind of go under the radar for a little while, get your feet underneath you. Sydney Moss was coming back from an injury. Certainly there was worth watching the Saints. did That changes this year. it the focus in your area is going to be on you guys coming off a championship do you sense that or is that just something i'm making up from afar
8: um maybe a little bit but not too much i mean we just want to go play you know and and lauren hill and and everything that she went through and her family went through and in the mount saint joe community um you know we went over there for a practice Mm -hmm. one morning to just talk to the, the team and and do all that and and be with them. So, it, um, you know, it's one of those things that you hate to see. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad that they're able to play the Lauryn Hill Classic at Xavier again this year yeah. and then play play against Hiram and this weekend, actually, yeah. on Saturday. So, you know, that's a great thing um, for our area to be. And, you know, we're off. So I'm hoping some of our players will be able to go over there and, and support that cause and we'll be able to get over there. But, uh, you know, it, it may have, but we didn't look at it because – what we kind of did was look to Lauren Hill for inspiration. Sure. I mean, because and like a lot of teams did across the country, it's one of those things where somebody loves basketball the way she does, and all of a sudden it's getting taken away from her day by day, unfortunately. And, you know, it's, it's a hard thing um, to see. And, you know, so she motivated our kids, and, and she still continues to motivate our kids uh, with that part
0: of it. Uh, looking at the season ahead for you guys, you talk about that out of conference schedule and Dennis and Ohio Northern and some other good ones. A lot of games of those, a lot of those games are going to be at home, which is nice. So you will go on the road to Illinois Wesleyan and to Calvin to take on those teams. But when we look at the conference, I'm kind of curious what we should make of it. Uh, you guys led the way last year, obviously undefeated. Saint Vincent was behind you, mm-hmm. 22 and 5 overall, 15 and 3 in the conference. Washington Jefferson, 21 and 8, 13 and 5. And then there's a steep drop off at Waynesburg at 15 and 12, 12 and 6 in the conference. What it, the problem is, we don't get a good sense of what St. Vincent and, and Washington Jefferson is made of because we're distracted by the the spotlight of the Saints. Do you expect that you can get through this conference unscathed yet again, or is this conference maybe getting a little bit better? I mean, you've gone undefeated four straight years and five of the last six. You haven't lost more than two games in conference since '07.
8: The conference is getting better um and it in the past, we've been a two bid league yeah. you know and and um Saint Vincent was probably right there, talked about last year a little bit because of i mean twenty two and five and three of the losses were to us um you know, so right. I think you know with some scheduling stuff and and doing that part of it they they're gonna be right there again my first year back in two thousand. Eleven, twelve. They were they were a second team in the tournament for us. Um, you know, so they're they're very good. W and J Waynesburg has a lot back. Um, WJ has only lost a couple seniors last year um, in, in a six-three post player, but you know they're a blue-collar team and they play hard and, and they're going to give you a good challenge every night. And then the rest of the league has been young the last couple years, so they're they're starting to get a little bit. Older and, and um, you know, it's going to be a challenge, uh, especially going on a road like we do, especially in February, because the closest game for us is, is four hours, four and a half hours. You know, so, and we're St. Vincent is the farthest in their five and a half.
0: I know you do not look past the first game, and no coach does. Every time I ask questions further mm-hmm. down the road, I get the, well, we're only looking at the first, the next game. I understand that, but there's something special that could happen this year. You guys are defending national champs. The semifinals are at Capitol, not that far away from you guys. The championship on the Division I court, where Division I, Two, II, and Three will play in Indianapolis, essentially not that far away for you guys. You could have good crowds. You could win on a magical place on a special occasion. Has any of that creeped into at least your mind? Have you heard any of the team even think about the fact that this could be a really cool and unique year for for Saint for Thomas Moore basketball
8: yeah I mean they get it happens all over the place and just small school the the community you know a, a lot of our players from being around here it, it's talked about you know and and what we as coaching staff try to do is tell them not to listen because mm-hmm. you just you never know but I mean it it is it's there I mean with with parents and and even my parents, you know, they come to all the games and stuff that they they're like, yeah, we get, you know, we want to be there to watch. Well, I hope we're there too and <laughs> you know, and it it's a long season, it's a grind, it's a tough season. Um but th- but this group's looking forward to the challenge and we're not resting on what happened last year uh because it's a new team. I mean, we have five new seniors compared to last year. Yeah. You know, everybody's in different roles. Uh we have six good juniors that are in different roles to whether it's leadership or playing time and you know our sophomores and new freshmen that are here so you know what was 1415 is great and all that and you know we're working hard for
0: 2015-16 um Sydney Moss one player of the year is a is a, a forward I believe one player of the year is a guard you say new roles Sydney in a new position we should all get get used to is she playing center maybe point um, she seems to be her... the magic johnson of your team
8: yeah, uh, we might put her point guard for a little bit, you know, and, and let, uh, let Abby and a couple other guards that we have just run the floor and nice. and spot up and shoot or attack. Um, nice. You know, it's, but, but that's something that Sydney's done in the past, anyways. Is yeah. She grabbed the defensive rebound. She was bringing it up the floor and, and looking to make passes ahead, uh, post players running or, or whatever we can get into.
0: Uh, first national championship for Thomas Moore was you guys last year. That creates buzz. Is there? Mm-hmm. Is there? But that was last year. As we talk about, it. is there buzz going into the season right now?
8: All kinds of it. Yeah, all kinds of it. And then there's a lot of buzz on Thomas Moore right now. Our volleyball is getting ready to start in the NCAA tournament. Yep. Their bid. Both soccer teams are playing this weekend. Women get the host. Pretty cool. And football um, finds out Sunday where they're going with their automatic bid. I know. After winning the PAC last weekend, so. The buzz, it, it, it's great for women's basketball, but it's all the sports, you know, and, and that's how we are. It's a tight family, and that's, you know, um, we look forward to that part. I mean, we're very good. Cheer on our women's soccer team here at home this weekend and, and uh, the volleyball team here in a little bit when they start playing. So it's a community, and uh, there's nothing better.
0: Uh, is this championship game or bust type of season? Is that, the, that, is that kind <laughs> of the underlying score? I mean, do you, is that the feel that you guys have? Is it, that's where you've got to be?
8: That's our goal every year. Sure. That, that's that's what we want to do every year. So, um, but no, I mean, there's no pressure for that part of it. It's uh, work every day, get better, uh, get better in practice, get better in the classroom, do what we need to do there, and um, and see what happens because you just never know. I mean, you know, you like you mentioned a couple years ago, one injury. I mean, if something happens like that, unfortunate. Yeah. It, it, it could change everything. But I think this group were. We're deeper than we've been ever probably, and um, you know, with our returning players and our freshmen, to where uh, we can overcome a little bit of that adversity and uh, and still make a run.
0: Well, pretty impressive to say the least. Like I said, 116 and eight for you. In your career, at Thomas Moore, and obviously the team undefeated last year, still riding that 33-game win streak. I didn't even bring that up, Coach. I, I didn't want to point out that pressure or anything. But um, don't I worry, you're that. you're not that close to the overall record. We're 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 not going to go down that road for you. But um, <laughs> no. as always, give the coach the final word, though. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in tonight?
8: Yeah, it's just it's going to be a great season for Division Three women's basketball, uh, 2015-16. Looking forward to watching all the teams play all the competition on a nightly basis and uh you know really appreciate what what you do for with hoopsville and and uh everybody at, at d3hoops.com and and supporting us um and making us nationally known
0: well thank you coach i appreciate it I I, may, I I know this much should you get to get to indy i get to finally see you guys if i can't find another way to get out to kentucky this season
8: well we need to get you down here at one point in time there's there's some Good things going on in Northern Kentucky.
0: I would love to. Uh, I will look at the schedule and we'll see what we can do. Take care of yourself. Good luck. Uh, we'll look forward to probably talking to you further down the season.
8: Sounds good. Thanks, Dave.
0: Yep. Jeff Hans Thanks. joining us here on Hoops. We'll appreciate him taking the time. Listen, everyone talks about Sidney Moss on this team, but I think they showed it last year, as we talked about in that WashU game. And I think if you look at the stats and you truly look at these games a little bit more carefully, this team is much more than Sidney Moss. This team is a very good team. If you take Sidney Moss out, they're different, but they'd still be one of the best teams in the country. Just remember that. Going for their second title this year. We'll look forward to watching them. A little bit behind schedule. We're going to catch up here as we take a commercial break. When we come back, we will talk to um, the Scranton women's basketball coach. Um, We'll talk to Trevor Woodruff. Coming from Misericordia and what I think is one of the biggest coaching changes this Off season. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Back with more Hoopsville right after this.
3: We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
5: Division Three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I
6: did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school.
5: I got the Presidential Scholarship, which was huge for me.
4: I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience.
7: Being a Division III athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court.
6: I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader.
5: And the end of the day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom.
2: College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us or our guests, you can tweet us at D3 Hoops or using the hashtag Hoopsil, You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Also join us or email us, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Uh, talking to the preseason number ones. Coming up still on the show, we will talk to the uh, the uh, men's basketball committee chair for this year. It is Brian Van Haften from Univista. Talk to him about that job and, of course, being um, the head coach at Buena Vista, and the ever-changing IIAC and how that will change over the next couple years. And we will get a report out of the Northeast uh, with our friend Matt Noonan, now regional reporter for D3Hoops.com. A lot to fill in here still in the last hour, which means we will probably hit our first overtime of the season. Shocking to all of you, I know. Don't forget, lots of rule changes in Division Three this year uh, in college basketball, period. Uh, obviously in Division Three. Uh, Or we did a special on that that was released yesterday. You can go to D3Hoopsville.com for more information. You can also still find it on the front page of D3Hoops.com. You can catch up. We had interviews with members of both rules committees plus an athletics director about the implementation of a lot of those rules, et cetera, et cetera. So check those out. When you get the chance, we're not focusing too much on the rule changes, but we'll we we missed a chance there with Jeff Hans to talk about it. But we'll talk about those rules changes here coming up. Uh, One of the biggest coaching moves, and there were a lot of coaching moves in the offseason this year. But one of the biggest ones, I think, uh, taking place uh, took place at Scranton. Finally, they got a full time head coach uh, over a year after having their original head coach leave. They had an interim last year. Uh, It went crazy from there. The interim decided, after maybe taking the full-time job, stepped aside to go to another job and said they had somebody else they had in mind. That person ended up taking another job right from underneath Scranton. Scranton decided to make some other internal moves, reopened the job search, found an athletics director all in the middle of this, and as a result of all that craziness, hired a coach that no one saw coming hired the men's coach from Misericordia. Now, if you knew the athletics director, you might have seen this coming, but you still didn't really see this coming. So I figured we better talk to the guy we didn't really see coming. Trevor Woodruff from the Scranton Women's Basketball joins me on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to the Hoopsville, sir. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, You moved about, what, 30 minutes northeast?
9: Well... Yeah, the schools are are approximately 30 minutes apart, but I actually cut my drive to work from about 30 miles to 2 miles, so it was uh, a good trade-off. So
0: this had nothing to do with Dave Martin being AD. This had nothing to do (laughs) with Misericordia Scranton. This had everything to do about gas prices. This was
9: 100% about gas prices, that's right.
0: (laughs) Outstanding. Now it totally makes sense. Now, if you had told me that a couple months ago, I would have I would have understood it better. No, I I, I totally kid. First and foremost, though, this was essentially a bit of a soap opera for over a year now. Um, you you walk into a rather interesting situation. To, to recap quickly for everybody, again, the coach dean of Scranton leaves you know a f- over a month over a year ago. They hire a former assistant of his, Dina. Klingsman who does a terrific job last season team goes 24 and four loses the NCAA tournament though in the first round Um, they then open the job formally she's in line for it eventually she says the negotiations apparently break down she decides she doesn't want it takes another job at a high school there's some other personal reasons involved which I can't blame her for whatsoever Uh, They then decide they're going to try and offer it to the Eastern women's basketball coach. He decides to cut bait and goes to Gettysburg and takes that job instead. They then change the athletics director to an associate athletics director, reopen the job, hire Dave Martin, and all of a sudden you walk in the door. I'm trying to figure out, at what point did this job actually become something you were considering? Well,
9: um, that was a lot. That was pretty good on your part. I, I... I won't say that that's a hundred percent accurate, but it's pretty good. Um,
0: <laughs> you just don't want to admit the parts I I, I know I shouldn't. Write.
9: Well, there's you know there's there's <laughs> no, some certain things that went on and and right. those are those are uh, not my business anymore than anybody else's. But right, exactly. long story short, uh, when it looked like the the first search was going to fail and they were not going to come out of it with a head coach, um, I started to just put some feelers out. Um, I certainly hadn't looked into leaving Misericordia at that point for any other job, um, let alone anything in, in kind of the other side of the universe, the, the women's game. Yeah. Um, but as I sat and thought about it and, and put things on paper as to what the positives and potential negatives could be, um, there weren't a lot of things on the negative side outside of, you know, having to, you know, move on from a place that I that I love, that's my alma mater. Um, say goodbye to some some really special kids, and uh, other than that, uh, all the positive check marks kind of went in Scranton's column for me. So it, I said to myself, you know what? If they don't have a coach, if they're if they're going to reopen the position, I, I might throw my hat in the ring and and see if I'm the guy that they that they'd like to hire. And away I went, and worked out the best I think for me at least.
0: In all seriousness, how much does this have to do with Dave Martin, though, going from Missouri Accorde Athletics Director to Scranton Athletics Director? Did that was that part of the equation? Because it certainly seems like it should have been.
9: Well, I would tell you uh, from the outside in that that seems like the kind of stuff that happens at Division One, right? Like the AD gets hired, and then <laughs> yeah? I can assure you, it's much simpler than that. Um, they ran the searches. Uh, at the same time. So they were they were conducting women's basketball search and AD search at the same time. When they got to the finalists um, for the women's job, they had it down to a handful of candidates. They stopped the search and finalized the AD search. At that point, when Dave was hired, he was handed a stack of, um, of resumes. They, they said, these are the candidates we've narrowed it down to um but we'd like you to obviously be involved in hiring the head coach of course Dave and I's relationship was such that he knew I was involved he knew I was a finalist um so it wasn't a surprise to him to see my name in the mix and then you know he he felt it was important to go through the process not just to hand me the job but you know make me earn it and so I had to <laughs> I had to meet with everybody on campus and meet with the team and everybody else involved and and uh, the rest is history.
0: Well, let's be honest. He's your former coach. Of course he made you earn it. <laughs>
9: well, I t- he's the only, it's the old thing about Michael Jordan, right? The only guy that could hold him under 20 was Dean Smith.
0: Exactly. <laughs> well, Dave was
9: the only guy that could hold me from scoring 1,000 points, and I remind him of that often.
0: Oh, that's not fair at all. <laughs> um, well, I mean, what's also interesting is here is you get this job August 27th. Students yeah. were already in school by the time you got this job. This thing yeah. really got dragged out. Yeah, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes politics and stuff like that that are not worth going into. It doesn't really help add anything to the story. It's not worth uh, bringing up. But the, it, it was dragged out. And so, you know, Dave gets hired, then he formally makes sure that you guys get hired or that that formally signs off on you being hired. But it was August 27th, so you don't mm-hmm. have anything to do with the recruiting class that's coming in. There's no way. Correct. And, and and. Nothing against any of the Scranton fans who are listening, but I'm just going to say there's technically no way to make sure that this, the the recruits that were retained under Dina held through because there wasn't mm-hmm. you know you weren't in place and right. technically you're a little late getting going on the next recruiting class, but that's semantics. Right. But how hard is it for you to walk in the door on August or really be hired yeah. on August 27th? I don't know when you walked yeah. in and and pick up the reins and start going with this job.
9: Well, I think it's always difficult. Anytime there's change, major change in your life, that you know, the personal stuff is difficult. Um, then you, you throw in the the personal lives of fifteen or sixteen young women and their families and uh you know, so there are a lot of a lot of things going on at that point. Um uh, when I was hired, I immediately set up a, a team meeting and we I met with the group, just introduced myself, um, told them to, you know, feel confident that they were getting a guy who Um, not only hopefully knows what he's doing, but was a guy that was going to buy completely into what Lady Royal basketball is all about. And my goal was not to be Mike Strong or Deanna Klingman, but my goal is to to be the best me that I can be. And, um, you know, as that, uh, as the process continues, I just wanted to build a strong relationship with the girls as I can. And, you know, that's still in progress. We're still working on that every day, but um, they've been great. They've accepted me. Uh, they've been receptive, uh, for the most part, to the things we've asked them to do. And you know, I'm excited to be here. And hopefully, uh, as time goes on, we'll uh, we'll all see the the, the fruits of, of the labor.
0: Uh, I'm kind of curious. Listen, it's hard enough to switch from men to women or even those who went from women to men. You picked the perfect year. Really, you did to switch gears. You picked the year that they decided to blow up the rules in women's basketball. Um, So not only are you coming from men's basketball to women's where there's already going to be some changes. And listen, we've seen some success for coaches who've been in men who've gone to women and vice versa. I mean, we've seen it work out. But you're going now from halves to quarters fouls at 5 not at 7 change in timeout strategy you're and granted that's all coaches are going to have to get used to that not just you how hard has it been so far just to break some of the habits you've been in for 11 years in a completely different mindset
9: well it's honestly it hasn't been that big of an adjustment i think as we've gone through the practices we've noticed that you know some of the things we've done in the past offensively um, we 've had to tighten up a little bit because you, you know five seconds it doesn 't seem like that much time, but uh it is quite a bit of time when you 're talking about maybe making an extra pass in an offense or an extra cut or whatever the case may be, so some of that stuff is slightly adjusted
0: of course the irony uh, is the women the team uh, you 're practicing with has been used to that clock exactly, <laughs>
9: and so it 's really just me that has to adjust when i was I was making those preparations anyway because the right. men were were going we're to going a, that way yeah either way um so it hasn't been that big a deal. I did spend four years as a high school coach, so I was familiar. In Pennsylvania, they play four quarters. I'm not sure what it's like around the country, but
0: most of them do.
9: Yeah. So you know that hasn't been that big of an adjustment. Um, it's been relatively smooth. I, I've got to say, knock on wood, we've just kind of come in. We've put our program in place. We've tried to, as I said, just try to build relationships. It, it's almost like speed dating to some extent, is <laughs> in that. You know, you want to learn as much as you can about the girls um, so that you can get the best out of them and so that they trust the things you're saying to them. And it's just a sped-up process because, sure. you know, I got here, I think my first day was September 8th. So, um, you know, it's it's been a quick transition. And, um, you know, I definitely think the longer the season goes, the better the relationships will be and the stronger, more cohesive uh, program will be.
0: Let's quickly talk about this schedule ahead of you. Uh, what's also interesting is we're kind of coming into a point where I I've gotten gotten wind that Scranton's kind of blown up some of the scheduling and some of the the common opponents at least this year you've got them in place but it sounds like you got your hands busy with scheduling but you've got TCNJ to start the season at home in your own tournament um, you then have Wilkes and Cabrini Kings Juniata of course Wilkes and Kings being those those nearby teams uh, down the roads pretty much mm-hmm. Juniata which is over a hill in through the woods to grandmother's house we go uh and then you get into conference play with merchant marine you're playing johnson and wales uh in another tournament you go to las vegas to play emory and henry and bridgewater though that's not the d3 hoops classic right that's um something else right Uh, i only say that i think i should have looked at the dates and known the answer to that but there's like multiple events in vegas right uh and then you get into conference play um Obviously, you didn't have anything to do with this schedule. You're also getting used to these programs. So, how mm-hmm. are you going to approach the season as a head coach?
9: Well, honestly, I don't. I don't anticipate changing a whole lot in terms of our preparation. You know, our practice plans are are relatively similar to what we've done in the past. I think it's been a little slower um, go, just because it's it's almost like having 15 freshmen. Yeah. Um, you know, in that I don't have a, a group of veterans to help teach. The newcomers, it's the veterans are newcomers in a lot of respects. So that's, you know, it's forced us to go a little slower, but I trust our process. I think the things we do um, will prove to be effective. It's just a matter of building habits and, and getting the girls to be able to play without thinking. So in terms of the schedule specifically, it, you know, it kind of is what it is. I haven't spent any time thinking about the makeup of the schedule. Um, I've spent all my time thinking about us. Uh, now we go into the weekend obviously we've started to prepare for TCNJ we're in a tournament. Tournament's actually at Desales.
0: Okay.
9: Uh Desales is the host so um you know we've got a quality opponent right out of the gate, you know they won 16 games last year so Yeah. Um you know it's not like we we've got a snoozer to start. We're going to have to play and um you know I'm optimistic that that we can go down there and at least uh, put up a good fight. So. By the way,
0: welcome to the Landmark Conference. And from what yeah. I can tell, the co- coaches think this is going to be a five-horse race. Uh, you have yeah. Cell, Scranton, Moravian, Susquehanna, and Elizabethtown with Juniata, Drew, Merchant Marine, and Goucher all looking to make some spoils. There's been some coaching changes. There's some tide changing in this conference. Mm-hmm. You have never even been in the conference, and now you're on the opposite side of it. You're probably on the more competitive side of it as well.
9: Right. well I, it looks to be competitive to me. I mean, I've had uh you know assistant coach uh who's been around the program in the past knows the knows the uh conference uh pretty much inside and out Um uh, Connie Ociency is his name and he's been great um in terms of helping me mm-hmm. through some of this stuff but um I was a little surprised with it when the ranking came out, only that when I looked at the other teams and their rosters compared to last year. We seem to be the one school that had the most significant losses um, with three really, really kind of almost all-time type players graduating, the all-time assist leader, an All-American center, the best shooter in the program. It, and then you look at the other schools, Catholic brings back their top nine, Moravian yep. brings back their top eight or nine, uh, Susquehanna brings back the bulk of their team. So, um, you know, was, I was a little bit surprised, but, you know, the facts are the facts, strand has been... Uh, at the top of the league for a long time. Exactly. And when you and when you look at the record there's a reason that there's a bullseye on our back. And uh if I was completely honest with you, I'd tell you that's one of the appealing things, one of the reasons I took the job. I can,
0: uh, because I can imagine
9: Yeah. I wanted to play I wanted to coach um at Scranton, it's it, honestly, you know, within the the scope of, of my reach, this was this was there were only two jobs I would have left Mr. Cordy for in the division three world. Um, and this was one of them. And I was able to get it, and I like the fact that everybody circles us on their schedule.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Royals do. Certainly uh, maybe get a chance to see you when you come to uh, my alma mater. Yeah. And uh, I, I can't remember. I think that day I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there. I just It's all a blur, and we're just starting. Um, <laughs> but thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you taking the time, as always, to give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
9: Well, I think a couple of things. One, I just uh, Scranton has a pretty big network of fans and alums out there. Some may be listening tonight. I don't, I'm not sure, but uh just want them to to rest easy. Um they've got a coach who believes in Scranton who's uh bought into the tradition. I'm not trying to blow everything up and start from scratch. I've uh tried to embrace the past while moving forward and I want them to feel confident that they've that they've got the right guy and then um, secondly, just say thanks to you guys. It's uh, it's great work that you do. Uh, I'm looking forward to being part of uh, Division Three women's basketball, and um, you know, following what you guys uh, do is is uh, an exciting part of it.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. Good luck in the adjustments. Uh, and 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 anytime I need to call Dave for you to remind him about a thousand points, oh. just let me know about it.
9: You got. I appreciate any any support I can get. He uh, he
0: doesn't buy it, but it's a fact. <laughs> I I will take care of that. I will All I right. will make sure. Take care and good luck. Take care. Trevor Woodruff joining us on the Hoopsville so Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. A little bit behind schedule, so we're going to get to our next break. Coming up, we have have an in depth conversation with Buena Vista head coach Brian Van Haften, who is now the men's basketball committee chair. We'll talk to him. Uh, about the team, about the committee, about expectations. There's a lot to get in here. This is an important conversation, especially in January. This one's going to be worth coming back and listening to. And we still have our Northeast Region Report. You'll listen to Hoops Hill, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Uh, don't forget, if you've got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com hoopsville. We will be going into overtime. Some of you might expect it to chat with uh, Brian, uh, Matt, Noon in about quarter of. It's going to be about 10 minutes later than that, believe it or not. Uh, this interview with Van Haften goes a little longer than I expected. But uh, stay tuned. We'll have more Hoopsville right after this.
2: College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop.
3: Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness.
5: Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I
6: did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school.
5: I got the Presidential Scholarship, which was huge for me.
4: I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience.
7: Being a Division III athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court.
6: I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader.
5: And the end of the day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom.
0: Welcome back to HoopSell, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the 13th season debut show here. And don't forget, we've announced that we are going to be on Sundays now throughout November and December as well. Normally, that's a thing we don't start until January. Uh, but we are now going to be on Sundays in November and December, not every Sunday and not every Thursday. There are going to be some because of holidays. Like I still haven't decided whether we're going to do a show on Sunday after Thanksgiving. Uh, it's a couple weeks away, so I got a little bit of time to figure that out. But it allow us to get a few extra shows in there when we either have football or other things like holidays kind of interrupt us. It allows us to get a show in, for example, on December 20th, instead of the last one being December 10th. Believe it or not, or roughly about that time frame. So it gives us an extra show in there in a 10-day span when we can't get one in otherwise, and gets one in before the holiday. So we hope you'll tune in Sundays and Thursdays throughout the season, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. You can always go to d3hoopsill.com to see when the excuse me the next show is coming up. We're also gonna be adding a bunch of links there with information about the shows, about how we uh, guests, about sponsorship possibilities if you're interested, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, thanks so far, who we've had on the show, which have include the two number one teams, Greg Giovanni from Augustana, Jeff Hans from uh, Thomas Moore, and, of course, Trevor Woodworth, who we just talked to in the last block from Scranton. Uh, in the beginning of the season, we always like to now talk to the committee chairs as well, especially if they're new, but talk to them so we can get kind of a little bit of an understanding now when games count just as much as they do in February. Get an understanding of what they're thinking about this year. Yes, regional rankings aren't going to come out until late January, early February. We're not going to be really into that conversation until then. But it's good to at least hear from those committee chairs now, especially if there's any quirks to the rules or anything different that's coming down the road or anything people need to keep an eye on. That includes this year, and we're going to be talking to both committee chairs this season um, in the beginning of the year. Tonight, the men's committee. Next Thursday, we will talk to the women's committee. So joining us on the Hoopsville hotline from the men's basketball committee, from Buena Vista, the head coach, Brian Van Haften. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thank you
10: very much, Dave. It's great to be here.
0: Thank you so much. Well, first and foremost, I should mention you're in your fourth year on the National Committee, but you'll be in your first year as committee chair after Jeff Burns and and actually Steve Ulrich left last year. Steve had been the committee chair the year before, handed it off to Jeff, and now it is in your capable hands. Um, I, we talked to you in Salem. We kind of all saw the writing on the wall that this was going to be probably your job. Have you been looking forward to it?
10: Yeah, it's been great. I mean, I've really, I mean, if any committees I've ever been on, this is the best committee I've ever, ever been a part of. Uh, You know, it's well-run. Elisa Halpin is excellent at the NCAA. And, uh, you know, it just gives me a chance just to meet some new people along the way. And uh, I've really, really enjoyed it. And uh, being a chair, this year is a great honor. Uh, Looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, even on the committee, as Kevin Bannerstreak is on the committee, it's been kind of... uh, reliving old times because when i was a player in college kevin banistry was my assistant coach I was gonna, uh, so <laughs> him being on the committee so it's uh it's been fun to you know touch base with him again here uh, 25 years later
0: i was going to say kind of uh it's got to be a little eerie it, it, to some extent seeing you guys in salem kind of reminisce a little bit but the fact that you're on the same committee both are head coaches of pr- some prominent programs in division three um, and, and he used to be an assistant of yours. Uh, definitely not how they wrote it up when when they started everything. No,
10: for sure not, but it's sure been a lot of fun.
0: Now, you're in your fourth year, as we mentioned. Who else on the committee is in their final season? Bob McVeigh from RIT. That's right. Thank you for the reminder. Yep. Um, yep. Obviously, it's a, we had a lot of turnover a couple years ago uh, due to A, now, the normal four-year term ending and two more people coming on, but some other people who could no longer serve anymore. So we've had some turbulence, as it were, with turnover, but we seem to have gotten into a stretch here where now we're expecting two people to leave like we normally do every year. But it's a little different. We keep having these one-year committee chairs. Not that I think it's a major problem, but is there, has there been any thought of saying, hmm, is there going to be a longer term, or is this just something we should be expecting from men's basketball?
10: Well, we could say I'm the committee chair, but we all do this together. Sure. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Elisa Halpin uh, at the NCAA is a major player in this, and she's been here all four of my years, so she's the person that's kept this thing going well. Um, obviously, Jeff Burns and Steve Alrick did a tre- tremendous job. You know, Bob McVein has been great on the committee uh, that I've been with him. Um, I think it goes pretty fluid because you're only turning over two at a time. You know, there'll be six... Uh, six people that will stay on for the following year and whoever the chair is will have a pretty easy job i think it just comes down to uh, it's a name only it's not really as much uh, a the job on my part as it is just uh, all of us together working together to make this tournament work the best we can
0: name only and a little bit of media responsibilities as well yeah that too, that's <laughs> um, listen in the last few years we've certainly gotten to know the system much better and you know, getting into specifics as to what is what is more prominent than another is certainly hard this time of year when we don't have any results to look at. So uh, only don't want to go into that. But what's you and I talked to last week just kind of ahead of this. What's the, the premise that you guys are working on? What's the mandate, I guess, for lack of a better description, that you're going to be giving the regional committees that is it similar to the years past? Is it going to be a little bit different? How do you see this all working out this year?
10: No, I think it'll work out the same. I think what we really want to do is that uh, there's a there's a lot of these national committees that where SOS is king, and uh, we get that. I mean, we we understand that SOS is a is a driving force number, but it's also a little bit of a flawed number. I mean, it's better than it used to be. I think we've evaluate, evaluated it better over time, and uh, so I think that we think that everything matters and we want to take a look at the whole body of work of every team as we go along the way and i think that's helped us out a lot i think we've done a better job of not only uh, uh you know identifying the right teams not saying that we're always right with the 19 pool c teams but we're pretty close anyway and we're trying to be transparent at the same time uh we have no problems with visiting with different coaches that maybe didn't come you know get in the tournament those kinds of things and And uh, so I think the transparency, we're trying to be that way. Uh, You know, we want this to work out for everybody. And uh, I promise you, when you get down to the last four or five teams getting in a tournament, uh, it's uh, extremely difficult. And, and, uh, you know, it's... uh, it's a tough job when you get down to that. But before that, it's pretty easy until you get to the last three or four teams.
0: When you talk to your committees, it seems like the last couple of years has been a little bit closer. Or at least last year improved on the year before. The year before seemed to improve on the previous year, et cetera. It seems like the nat- the regional committees are starting to maybe understand a little bit better of the goal. I mean, we let's be honest. A couple of years ago, I think we had a lot of people, some committees took SOS very seriously. Some took win-loss percentages very seriously some were a hybrid of those Um, i don't think we had you know we didn't understand what the midwest and the northeast were thinking because we thought they were thinking different things seemed last year things were a little bit closer to maybe being the status quo granted each region has a different mentality and and you want that to happen but how do you make sure everybody's kind of on the same page
10: well our our goal is is just to be as consistent as we can. I mean, that's a nice thing about having eight regions. If uh, something happens in the Great Lakes that we discuss, that we did make a decision on, uh, then we can't be different in the South. I mean, if, uh, if we are, you know, the certain team or two, usually there's a couple of teams that we have to compare. And, uh, you know, you can go back to the West and say, okay, we did the same kind of thing here, and we got to make sure that we're consistent with it. And uh, I think that's the thing that we've tried to be as much as anything—it's just be consistent. And uh, the problem with it is there's always outliers out there. There's always that team who doesn't have a good record with a strong, with a really strong SOS, and then there's the complete opposite—the team with a bad SOS and a really good record. And uh, so we really have to work all those things through and communicate uh, with, with each other and, and walk our way through each team.
0: I know in years past, the focus had been, hey, we want to select these teams a little bit better. We want to get that done quicker so we can focus doing on a better bracket. Um, I think last year certainly saw a, a step in that direction in the sense that I know the teams were picked relatively quickly, and I don't want to belittle. I'm not saying you guys did it so fast. You Obviously, Pat and I got the same teams you guys did, so we're all at least understanding the process the same. But And then focus a little bit more on bracketing. And then, as a result, you guys also started this process sooner, um, almost kind of doing some dummy stuff in the weeks leading up. I assume that will that trend will continue.
10: I would anticipate that to continue. We did that quite a bit, and you know, we weren't all involved in that uh, on our committee, but uh, but uh, some of us had, had put together some. You know, this is my twentieth year, and we've been in the national tournament, you know, nine or ten times ourselves. So I've seen how the national tournament looks and all that kind of thing. And so that helps. Even Kevin Banastryka, Calvin, he's been in the tournament a few times. You start to realize what works, what doesn't. Um, You know, we want to make, once we get to bracketing, That's the only chance for us to really make this a national tournament, as close as we can, within the parameters of the NCAA, the 500-mile radius. And that really does affect it some years. Some years it really makes it tough. And in some years, like last year, I thought it worked out right. And really, it comes down to the right teams getting in the tournament to make it look and feel a little bit more like a national tournament. And it just so happened to work out that way. There's no guarantee this year. I mean, sometimes you get some teams who aren't five, you know, are more than 500 miles apart, and it just doesn't work out. So every year is different, every team is different, and uh, it really is a fun process. But We'll do the same thing. We'll we'll put together a bracket and obviously brackets change within two weeks. I, I get we get that. But you know, overall, you know, you can see coming down last year that, you know, August they're probably gonna be a host. Um uh, we saw it coming down that the Whitewater's probably gonna be a host. And I I know I'm looking on my side of the country, but uh, you know, there are other teams out there that uh Uh, Randolph Macon. We thought they'd be a host, and and so we thought we'd make at least a guess on that. If something changed, then we made adjustments. But um, yeah, I think it helped us to walk through the tournament a little bit faster once we got to picking teams.
0: I was going to say, does starting that process sooner kind of make it a little bit? I assume it makes it easier on that weekend, if you're starting to say, okay, we kind of understand. And I'm not saying you guys necessarily seed teams, um, but you kind of yeah. put the top 16 that you thought were the top 16 in place to try and help yourselves out. And you guys, again, started that ahead of time.
10: Yeah, we did. We we tried to judge who we thought the top 16 teams were. And we didn't all agree, and, and we didn't have enough time to really pick that apart. But once we got to all the teams being picked, and then we started bracketing, then we had to pick that apart, and uh, I thought we did a good job of working through that. But at least we had a good head start. We had a really good feel, and you know, 14, 13, or 14 teams we thought for sure would host. And uh, as we got close, and and then we've always got the issues with uh, the Northwest, uh, the South, and Texas. And if Emory's in the tournament, I mean, they're, they're an issue too because they're, you know, everybody's that far away from them, and and. Uh, so we have all those outliers but which makes it a little bit difficult but uh, but it's fun I mean I, I really like it I mean I think it's the fun part of it and and uh you know hopefully everyone sees that uh, uh, you know this is a great time of year when you get to March and uh, part of the fun is just seeing where you're going for your first game
0: uh, one of the things that you guys or at least Jeff burns last year certainly stressed was that you guys understand or have been told by the statistics groups at the NCA how this in the SOS kind of equates to about two games. And I certainly got the the sense last year that that was a very important number that you guys worked with. If if two teams were about .03 apart on the SOS, you then looked at their win-losses and adjusted them by two games to understand how their SOS related to their win-loss and thus how each team kind of compared with each other. Is that something you guys are going to keep going moving forward?
10: Yeah, I think so. About... Two summers ago, we got into Indianapolis. We have a meeting in, su- in the summer each each year, and uh, we put all the teams that we had picked in the tournament up on the board, and we went through the SOS and the one-loss percentage, and we asked the question, okay, .03 to two games, is that really equal? And, you know, it's all a little bit flawed, so don't get me wrong on this. Sure. But we really thought, like, it was as close as we could possibly get. We thought, you know what? We picked the right teams. Um, you know, obviously the last team or two is going to be difficult, but but overall we felt like that we had the teams right. We looked at how they actually played in the tournament, and all those kinds of things. That, you know, did the teams with a high SOS did they play better in the tournament than the the team with a high one loss percentage? And uh, at .03 to two games, we thought those those teams played about equal, and uh, uh, so it. I think it's worked out pretty well. We've really tried to look at it from a scientific standpoint, and we know the SOS is flawed, uh, but um, but it's flawed in just certain teams sometimes. You know, it's not just, it's not flawed all the way around. It's just flawed. There's certain teams that have a high SOS that may we call it fake SOS sometimes, and and there are some teams like that and. And, uh, you know, one loss percentage, it is what it is. That, you know, It's hard to call that fake because you win games, you lose games. But the SOS, uh, we really have to evaluate that. And even re- each region of the country, the SOS can be a little bit different.
0: Speaking of SOS, I know you and I discussed the fact that when the FBS bowl system came out with their rankings on the D1 football side, lots of conversation about strength of schedule. And, hey, does this team really deserve to be ranked that high or ranked at all because of Maybe a low SOS and why isn't this team getting some love because they're SOS and there was just a lot of discussion about how that's an important factor. Are you worried that some people are going to take just that kind of story in an unrelated sport and an unrelated championship say geez come on there's a conversation about SOS why aren't we doing that more in Division 3 and try and extrapolate across the board.
10: Well I have to be honest with you, I don't think about it like that because it's uh, you know, two completely different things. Um, you know, they have 12 people actually watching all the games together. Aren't they lucky? I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're lucky. I mean, you know, I, I don't see Randolph making play. I don't see Amherst play. I don't see Bob's team at RIT play. And uh, so we have to depend on, you know, the people we work with to say, okay, um, however, we did try to watch as many games we could last year. If, if you were out of the tournament, and that kind of thing, we tried to watch as many games, you know, on TV, you know, on the computer as we could, just to maybe get a little bit of a feel. But you know, it's not the same thing. I think we all know that.
0: Um, one of the other topics before we get off the topic of national committee that I want to chat with you is kind of the writing on the wall with these Friday games. The timing of the bracket announcements slash conference tournaments, they kind of all kind of go together. I should say the Thursday games more than the Friday. Let me start with this, though, the first. I know last year, technically, by the number, we should have gone to 63 teams instead of 64. If you go by the access ratio, the NCAA used the little-known in even numbers not odd numbers rule, and so that's been held off. Do you know when we're supposed to go to 64? And I appreciate that I'm throwing this one at, at you, and you may not know the answer.
10: Yeah, I do not know. Um, you know, I would assume that if we get another conference from an NAIA conference to join our our NCA Division three, once they become full fledged, we're probably about set for sixty four. I think would we're. I think we're, guess.
0: Yeah, I'm going to say I think we get there no matter what in a matter of years. I just didn't remember yeah. when we yeah. get there. I think we've got enough in the pipeline to get to sixty four soon. I just, yep. I know on the Wednesday special that we did, um, your your compartment, uh, I'm making up a word there, I'm slamming three words together into one. Uh, Tim Fitzpatrick over at Coast Guard was talking about the fact that he's frustrated that there's not 64 teams in here. Um, and it's kind of a, you know, a light, you know, a guy coming from D1, or not, who's been at D1, uh, it was kind of mm-hmm. nice to hear him say that, but... So per that, we have these bye games on Thursdays, and I know those are starting to get a bit frustrating because it, it it throws a monkey wrench a little bit into the how the brackets are put together. And I know I broached an idea last year that I heard you tell me last week was something that you guys are considering. Moving that bye week bye game to a Friday at the site of the team who's got the bye, is there momentum there? I know that's probably not going to happen this year, but is there momentum to do that?
10: Well, I don't know if there's momentum for it. I mean, we don't even know for sure if it's a good idea or not. Sure. Or, you know, we would have had paw and Wash you go to Augustana to play on Friday night. Uh, the reason why we would do that is cost in some respect, because it's hard to get travel uh, for those teams. They got to practice on Wednesday and then play on Thursday. And you just found out where you're going on Monday. We think that's difficult. And... Uh, some, in some ways, it would have been nicer to have Wash U and DePauw travel to Augustana, um, practice on Thursday night, and then play on Friday night. And It feels a little bit more like a national tournament game uh, because all the other games are going on Friday night, too. I remember last year being at Whitewater, and it's Thursday night practice for uh, the four teams uh, at Whitewater. And all of a sudden thought, hey, that's right, there are a couple of games tonight. (laughs) And so you almost forget that they're part of the national tournament. And uh, I think in some ways to have everyone playing Friday night would just be kind of nice just to – uh, so everyone knows they're in a national tournament game on Friday
0: night. I agree with you. Per that, though, too, there's been discussion of, and you kind of hinted on it, somewhat of cutting the costs down a little bit, and this affects a lot of other sports more than basketball, but men's basketball certainly is in play here with these Thursday games, that they say that once the bracket's announced, they want three full days before a team hits yeah. the road. They feel that they can get, the NCAA feels they can get better costs, and certainly in, a, in Division three, when we're worried about costs and, and, and watching every penny. Um, they can get better costs for those teams to travel. They can f- get better deals. Well, if the team's playing Friday, that means they're traveling or they're pr- they'd are they like to be in place and probably practicing on Thursday. So worst case, they're traveling Thursday, but most likely they're traveling Wednesday. Well, if three days backs up. Now we're talking about a bracket announcement technically back in the old days of a Sunday. Well, now that talks about conference tournaments and whether they should even be played on Sundays in the first place and give the committee even a better chance to to do their work on sunday any thoughts on whether there needs to be a a, a a shift here with conference tournaments and thus when the brackets are announced
10: well you know dave you're talking to a coach here and yeah. so i've only got an opinion on this i do not have a driving force whatsoever but here's my opinion uh monday at eleven thirty to watch the bracket half my guys are in class at that time True. And so you don't even know, you know you don't even get a chance to watch it together. There's nothing better than having the Sunday night bracket show at eight eight or nine o'clock at night, and uh, we're all in the same room trying to figure out you know listening to the show to see where you go next. And uh, we had a lot of those times you know back in the early two thousands, and those were a lot of fun. And uh, but I think at some point it's very possible the NTA says no more conference tournaments on Sunday so that we can get our bracketing done on Saturday night and Sun, and during the day on Sunday so we can get the bracket out on Sunday. It's cheaper to uh, have three days for the NCAA to get people traveled, and then you get Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to do that, Thursday practice, and you play on Friday. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think at some point the mandate may come down to say, hey, in two years, no more Sunday conference tournaments. But think- that's only my opinion that means nothing you know it really doesn't but uh, <laughs> well
0: you'll be off the committee by then <laughs>
10: yeah yeah you know and I, but really i mean you know monday at eleven thirty is not a great time uh for your team because it's a special time to watch the show some some people don't know if they're going to get in or not so you got some teams that find out they're not in but you know you find out watching a computer at eleven thirty while you're in class and and uh I don't know. That's just not that much fun, I don't think. I think it's more fun if your whole team could be together on a Sunday night.
0: Well, I certainly agree with you. I think I'd like to see the bracket on Sunday evening as well, Um, uh, mainly probably for my own sanity, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, coach.
9: And and it's
10: impossible. I mean, it's impossible. As long as we have Sunday Commerce tournament Agreed. games, it's impossible to actually yeah. have that done on Sunday night. Completely agree with you.
0: Yep, and I think yep. some of those Sunday tournaments need to be reexamined. I know I've talked to Jeff Burns about the, the ODAC and how that would affect yep. the ODAC. And so um, the ODAC is probably the biggest one it would affect than, more than any, but there's certainly other ones out there as well. Coach, I appreciate you coming on and talking about the committee. If you don't mind, like to take a quick break, come back. I want to talk about your team and certainly the interesting IIAC as well. Um, so hang tight with us, and you as well. Hang tight with us. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. Coach Brian Van Haften talked to me about his team, and of course the IAC, which is going through some changes as well. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville, and a conversation with Coach Brian Van Haften right after this.
3: We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
5: Division III allows you to be able to give yourself to other things, not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to.
4: There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major.
7: Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus.
6: Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate, in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville. Hope you are enjoying our season debut. He's got done talking to Coach Brian Van Haften about the national side of things. He is now the national committee chair for the men's basketball committee. Um, but he's also got a basketball team to coach, and we want to talk to him about that. So we will chat with him about that. If you have questions for us or any of our guests or have ideas for our guests, or, or guest ideas, I should say, tweet us at D3 Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Hoopsville. Let's go back to the Hoopsville Hotline and Coach Brian Van Haften rejoining us once again. Coach, uh, thanks so much. Uh, let me just state out of the, the obvious here: the IAC is kind of maybe the 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 story no one's talking about in the West Region. You've got good teams. You guys have won the conference regular season last year. Dubuque has been certainly part of the national conversation just a little bit. Now Nebraska Wesleyan decided to enter the enter the conference, making them a full fledged. D3 member. There's a lot going on in the IAC that's going to maybe shake things up in the next few years.
10: Yeah, it'll be good. You know, Nebraska-Western will join our conference next year. Uh, they've got, uh, you yeah, know, it'll be good to have them in there. I mean, just to add another team uh, from a coaching standpoint, it sure makes non-conference scheduling a lot easier mm-hmm. when you've got two less games to get, And uh, which is easily one of the worst parts of my job is trying <laughs> to get your schedule put together. And so You can look at my schedule this year and you can say, yeah. man, Who's that stupid at five road games in a row? But uh, I guess that's me.
0: <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, I mean you'll go to an 18 game schedule. Nebraska Wesley, Nice to see a team that has gotten to the to Salem in, in its history. Uh, nice to see that they are going to make themselves a full fledged member of the of Division three instead of the NAIa split. Which obviously wasn't working for them. But look at this conference last year. Again, you guys won the regular season a game over Dubuque and Co. Um, five teams were above five hundred overall. The yourselves, Dubuque, Co. Central, and Wartburg, even though Wartburg had a six and eight record in conference. You know, I say that the IAC might be kind of that, that quietness about the West because, you know, the the YAC's now technically part of the Central, so they're not not technically part of the conversation. And the Northwest certainly gets plenty of headlines. Uh, Northwest Conference. The Sky Act certainly gets some headlines as well. It's almost like the IAC is like, oh, we we, we forgot about Iowa. You guys are coming off an 18-8 and record. Dubuque's coming off a 23-6 and record. Certainly everybody's lost some players, but you guys also have some good cores coming back. Looks like this conference could be a really fun one to watch this year.
10: I think it will be a lot of fun. I think there's some good players that left the conference last year. We had seven seniors. Uh, Dubuque has their best player back and the player of the year in our conference. But uh, they have quite a few guys that are, you know, that they lost quite a few guys to. Um, You know, I think teams like Central and Wartburg and Loris and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into the mix this year and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm probably missing other teams too, but uh, Cole will have a good team. And uh, it'll be a, a lot of fun this year to see where everyone shakes out.
0: You weren't afraid to schedule some fun games. Last year you started the season with Augsburg, Gustavus, Adolphus, Illinois, Wesleyan. Uh, you also threw in Platteville at one point in time. You even came out to uh, the East Coast. Of course, you came out when I was on the West Coast. That's kind of ironic. You know, played Delaware yeah. Valley and Hartwick before getting back in a conference play. Unfortunately, everything kind of ended with a thud with losses back-to-back to, back to Coe and Wartburg uh, to end the season. Um, I know you said you had those seven seniors that you graduated how much did you kind of look, and we'll talk about the schedule in a little more depth here, but how much did you look at the scheduling and look at what you had coming back and decide to maybe go with a little different tactic?
10: Well, sometimes you can't uh, predict. You know, we've, we have a commitment with Gustavus and Augsburg. That we play them every other year at home. We just yep. have to go on the road this year with them, Bethel the same way. Um, you know, it just kind of worked out this way. Um, you know, Next year will probably be a little bit better as far as home games are concerned. But, you know, we get Elmhurst at home, and all of a sudden, you know, we committed with Elmhurst about two or three years ago, and now all of a sudden uh, Elmhurst is a player. <laughs> uh, you know, they're really good. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's fun. I, mean, I have to be honest with you. I like a tough schedule. I mean, last year we were 4-4 four and four last year, and yeah. then we went out to the East Coast and beat Delaware Valley. We beat Hartwick and uh, gained a little momentum into the conference race and, and got off to a 7- or 8-1 start. And uh, there's nothing wrong with playing a good schedule. I think it it uh, toughens you up a little bit. We're probably going to be playing five or six sophomores on our team this year. And with that being the case, um, you know, we're going to demand a lot out of them to come out and, and play well early on. And, and uh, you know, we're not for afraid of the situation. In fact, we look forward to it.
0: Quickly, you'll start the season against Nebraska Wesleyan on Sunday, the 15th. uh, So a little bit of a precursor of the conference action. Um, That 15th date, I have a feeling, was probably set before you guys realized you could play earlier, right?
10: (laughs) Yeah, I suppose. But, uh, you know... College football on a Saturday, all those kinds of things. Uh, I think it uh, it's a little bit easier. Yeah. We'll get some people at our game on a Sunday afternoon. Sure, uh, it'll be fun. And
0: then yeah. you mentioned that five game uh, road stretch here: goes Davis, Adelphi, Bethel, Augsburg, Eclair, and it's Stout. Uh, but you do I mention the uh, Elmer's game. You also head out to tra- Tampa to play your old buddy Pat Cunningham. Um, against Trinity, Texas, and then somebody else uh, to be determined, obviously, before you'll come back into conference play. Uh, You talk about the the guys you lost. Of course, you lost Cole uh, Cole Darrow, who led the team at 15 points a game. But you've got Nick Clark coming back, 14.5 points a game, I'm assuming, by the way. I realize we haven't played a game here, so me saying guys are coming back is a grand assumption yep. on this night. Uh, Kennedy Dry, a sophomore, is coming back at 14 points a game, uh, though then you, the next group of guys who scored are all the ones you lost, Alex Savage, Nick Work, uh, uh Brent he- Heintkamp, I apologize if I'm screwing these up, and et cetera. But you do at least have a couple of real good core guys coming back. And so while you've lost seven seniors, there's something to be expected to say you, you're still going to have probably a pretty solid season this year.
10: We should have a good season. I, I, I'll be disappointed if we don't. I mean, I don't know how well our season will start for us, uh, but we'll be pretty good by midseason. Nick Clark is a, a very good point guard, and Kennedy Dre is actually injured for us right now. So Nick Clark is our only guy that, uh, that has seen time on the floor that will play. Uh, Kennedy has got a stress fracture. He's going to start practice again on Monday, and obviously he'll be slowed for the first couple of weeks from there. Uh, so we'll see how fast he gets back. We we don't know exactly how it will all work out for him. But, you know, once we get to January, you know, those two guys are going to be two of the top five or six players in our conference. I hope uh, we need them to be. And uh, some of the other sophomores will have play. And also Sean Morgan will play in the post for us. And he's, he's a good player. And, uh, you know, some of the other sophomores will come up and – and they'll
0: have good years. I, I don't remember what uh preseason poll may have been if the conference did one, because I'll freely admit I forgot to, I forgot to double-check it. Um, did you guys do a preseason poll? If you did or didn't... We do. It's not out yet. It's not out yet. Ah, yeah, there is why I couldn't find it. So yeah. uh, I'll put you on the spot. Who do you think wins this conference? Who do you think's the top of this conference, obviously since you couldn't vote for yourself?
10: Yeah, yeah. Um it should be Dubuque, Central, or Wartburg would be my guess based on people coming back. You know, Wartburg's got a lot of uh, good guards back. Central's got a nice collection of players back. And uh, then Dubuque has the best player back, and, and along with the, one of their shooters. Um, you know, I think you could probably make the case that Dubuque would probably be the favorite coming in, just with Andre Norris on their team. is an excellent player. Uh, so I'd probably take them. Uh, but that's an easy way out. Uh, I think Central or <laughs> Wartburg could easily do it, too.
0: Uh, is this a conference and get multiple bids into the into the NCAA tournament this year? Committee chair.
10: Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, obviously it depends on the first ten games of the year. Sure. You know, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, if you uh, if you got uh, you know last year, you know, Dubuque would have at least had a chance to get still get in if yeah. they wouldn't have won the conference tournament. So uh, yeah, it, it definitely could be.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming on, talking about your team. I'm sure we'll be talking about the conference and your team later on. I know we'll chat with you later on in the season as well as we get closer to uh, you know regional rankings and such. Uh, I actually forgot to ask you one question in the previous segment. If you don't mind, I want to throw it at you now. I know the men's committee, or at least I have known, and the men's committee has been one of those. You talk about transparency, wanting the regional rankings and all the data at the very end released. How frustrating is it when you walk into meetings at the NCAA headquarters and you have others who don't want to do that?
10: Well, I have to be honest with you. I don't really understand it. I mean, I don't know. Well, I don't really know what the big deal is from so the basketball side. We don't. We could care less if everybody knew what people were ranked. I mean, we're just trying to be consistent. Uh, we have no problems with our last ranking coming out, but there are other sports committees in the NCAA who don't want to have it, and they have their reasons, so I respect that 100%. Uh, I just wish we could on the basketball side because it, I mean, honestly, it wouldn't do it. It wouldn't, uh, people wouldn't look at it any differently, I don't think, because, you know, there are no surprises. I mean, uh, you're ranked what you're ranked, and and uh, we tried to do it the same way each week, and uh, we really have nothing to hide on the basketball side, but, but I get it. Uh, some Some don't want to do it. And uh, so that's what we're stuck to.
0: Unfortunately, majority rules, and you guys are not in the majority on that decision. Well, hey, Coach, appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for taking the time. I know it took a good chunk of your time. Uh, I appreciate you doing that. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
10: Well, I just want to wish everybody luck out there. Hopefully you have a great year. Hopefully your team is healthy. And uh, let's have a lot of fun and uh, coach these kids up, and and, uh, it should be a great year.
0: Very good. Thanks so much, Coach. Take care and good luck.
10: Okay, thank you.
0: Brian Van Haften joining us from Buena Vista. Again, team coming off a pretty good season, have a lot of turnover, but looking like good shape. We'll be talking to them a lot, uh, or talk to Coach Van ha- Haften later in the season as well. We're going to come back. We have plenty more. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this.
6: I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division 3 school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person.
5: Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you.
4: With the D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue.
7: By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Shockingly, first night of the year. We're going on into overtime. Totally shocking, I know, for all of you out there. Uh, We got one more segment and and some quick thoughts from me before we uh, wrap this up. Um, Hope you're enjoying the first show of the 13th season. We've been around for 16 years, but this is our first 13th full season on the air. Had a couple years early on where we were unable to do anything except in Salem, But I hope you're enjoying the show. You can follow us on Twitter and interact with us on Twitter at D3 Hoopsville or using the hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville and email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. There may even be an Instagram account sometime in our future. Uh, Time to switch gears and get to our first regional report of the year. Uh, We're going to be talking Northeast region um, specifically, we should say. and what it what to expect from the biggest region now we're not going to get to every single conference but we will hit a couple of the big ones and we will hit um some other teams and joining us on the hoopsville hotline is our regional reporter for well one of the regional reporters we'll have from the northeast this season and that is matt noonan uh from noontime sports matt welcome back to hoopsville sir
11: dave always a pleasure and uh happy 2015-16 uh, uh, basketball season i mean we're I guess here in the uh, we're here in Massachusetts. We're I think about uh, less than three hours away, actually, from uh, tipping off with Worcester State Clark uh, at 12:01 a.m.
0: So
11: obviously, exciting time over here in uh, the Northeast.
0: Absolutely, we do have yeah exactly midnight 01. uh, We'll be games tipping off just to have some fun with it. Uh, You got to love some people's uh, creativity with the uh, schedule to have a little fun with some midnight madness. I think Whitworth's taking on Laverne. Uh, You mentioned that. I'm calling it up right now. Yeah, we've got Clark versus Worcester State on the uh, men's side, followed by Whitworth and Laverne at 3.01 Eastern time. I will not be up despite my sleeping conditions. I will not be up for that. By the way, Kane is going to take on Columbia at 11 a.m. I don't know why. Um, Cal Lutheran is – but nobody on the women. Well, I think – you know what? Bethany and Waldorf, I think, are going to be tipping off. And I know Illinois College versus Eureka will be an early tip. And then we got another 11 a.m. game, a couple 11, 11.30 games, whatever. I, I, those, are, they're, those are nuts. But, Matt, uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk about the Northeast. Um, and, and certainly everyone talks about the Northeast by the time we get halfway through the season um, because it's the biggest and the baddest. And we'll start on the men's side uh, looking at the top 25, Amherst in number five with surprising two first-place votes um Babson uh, is in 10 obviously made it to the to the championship weekend last year uh Trinity Connecticut holding strong at 12. it's funny I didn't put him in my top 25 I put Bates but I could have flipped a coin and put Trinity instead I you know, maybe made a bad decision there Eastern Connecticut is sitting 14th um and that is it from the Northeast at least in the top 25. Specifically, let's talk about the NESCAC because everyone talks about the NESCAC. It is the the beast that is the NESCAC. Mainly because last year, I think we saw for the first time that the NESCAC can be deep. Can be deep. Um, Williams fell off a little bit. Middlebury fell off a little bit. Amherst certainly came back down to the pack just a bit. But then we saw Bates. We saw Trinity. We saw um, even Wesleyan, obviously, as they won the conference title, reappear. There were six, seven teams who... Had a legitimate chance at a championship last year in the tournament. Do we expect the same this year, or is this Amherst to to walk away with?
11: I mean, I I think you gotta you gotta think it's gonna be definitely like that. I mean, look at the NCAA tournament from last year. You got four teams, as you just alluded to on the men's side. You had Wesleyan, at Amherst, you had Bates, you had Trinity, and you know, let's think about that Trinity-Babson game from last March. I mean. It, that was one heck of a game uh, and for you know, I was able to I was watching that on the web uh, web stream So I, I was just I mean my heart was beating just watching that game But I you know, I, I think Trinity and Amherst are the, are the number one teams to, to watch for in this conference You know Williams they had a lot of graduation losses, you know The, the thing though about Amherst though is that they had one uh, Lone graduation loss, which losses Alex Levine and then they bring back, you know, Connor Green who had 464 points David George, who is you know huge at the free throw line, you know 106 to 174, um, also a huge component of their you know their rebounding game, both on offense and defense. I mean 101 offensive boards, that's going to provide obviously more than second and third opportunities there too. And Johnny McCarthy also 318 points. So yeah, on paper, I think right now you would say okay, Amherst has got to be the team to be. I mean you know they're young, they're you know you're obviously a year or two experienced more now. So I, I mean, again with only one graduation loss and with most of those guys all playing. Yeah, I'm going to go with Hickson's bunch as uh, as my team to watch for here, too. But I, I think Trinity, again, they bring back a lot of guys that was well, too. And, you know, you're right. They are deep. I mean, how about Wesleyan last year, too, a team that was in the middle of the pack? They won. The, they won. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, but, um, you know, obviously, they, they fell short against Skidmore in the first round. But, um, yeah, I think they're definitely the one. And, you know, the team that I'm interested in, in seeing how they're going to do is definitely going to be Williams. I mean, when you lose your three top players from last year, you bring back Daniel Hole and you bring back, you know, Ryan Kilken, uh, Kilcullen, you know, there's a lot of that's going to leave a lot of, you know, there's a lot of voids to fill there. But the question is going to be, can their freshmen and can, you know, any transfers come in and be able to take, uh, pick up the slack? But, yeah, it's going to be deep. And, you know, but I, feel, but I think right now Amherst um, will be the team to watch. And the interesting stretch, Dave, to watch, they're going to have seven road games. Right after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, they're not going to have a home game. They're not going to be playing in Amherst until January 5th. I mean, they'll be practicing, I presume, of course. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> he did so. He must... did that nuts thing last year.
11: Yeah. No, he did. He did. And, you know, he's got games against LaSalle and he's got games against em- uh, Emerson. Um, so, it, But the interesting stretch, I think, honestly, is when they come back, they're going to play East Con, They're going to play Williams, Wesleyan, Connecticut College. So I think that's really, once they get into the brunt of their NESCAC, uh, you know, play, that's really when we're going to understand how they are. And, you know, the game against Brandeis and Babson, you can't overlook that. I mean, those, those are – that's a pair of games in a span of about 48 hours. So that, that could be a really interesting test, too, for them.
0: Ten of the 11 teams finished above 500 last year overall. Tufts at 13-12 and 12 was the closest, along with Colby, to going below. Connecticut College was the only one below at 7-16. and 16. Some of those – granted, some of those schedules a little bit inflated – uh, that's why we get a little bit of a false SOS out of this conference. But, you know, listen, this used to be Amherst, Middlebury, Williams. You know, th- that was the trio that you always thought was going to fight it out. Is this a long-term thing?
11: I, I think so. I think this is good for the conference. I mean, you know, I think Tufts is going to come back this year, too. You know, they were kind of, I you know, I think the year before they were, you know, they were down, but, you know, they had some injuries, and I think, you know, they're going to be back this year, too. I don't think Trinity's going anywhere, too. I mean, um, you know he brings he brings in you know a couple freshmen, including you know Eric Gendron. He also brings in you know Gene McCullough and uh, Daniel Padolino um, and Cord Stafford. So you know he's bringing these guys in from New York, who are obviously playing in some very good you know good systems for high school too. Plus you know another year another year under their belt. Um, so I, I, I like I said I, I, I agree I think it's going to be a deep, definitely will be deep too. And again I mean. Um, not to sound like a broken record, my question mark is on Williams this year, not to put a lot of pressure on the Heat. Yeah, but, no, right. Um, you know, supposedly, hey, they have some new guys coming in. But, no, I think it's going to be deep. I think Tough is a rebound year this year. And um, and I think Amherst will be at the top. But I think it's going to be – I think Wesleyan's not going to go anywhere, too. I mean, um, Joseph Ku, Jack Mackey, Joe Emmons, just a couple guys, the name right there. So, I, I think it's going to be an interesting fight uh, to the finish.
0: You heard it here, folks. Matt Noonan picked seven teams to finish on top. Of the NESCAC. No, just kidding. Well,
11: that's, that's impossible. No, I know. We're gonna have to, we can't have a, you know,
0: there's no seven-sided coin. <laughs> uh, that'd, that'd make it a little more complicated. Uh, let's switch over to the new MAC, New England Women's and Men's Athletic Conference. Uh, listen, in the last few years, this conference has come up into the fray. Certainly, the top of the conference has been competitive. The middle to bottom uh, has been, certainly hasn't been world beaters, but they're capable. Um, Emerson, Clark, Coast Guard, and Wheaton, you're, uh, your. are uh, Alma mater have certainly been part of the equation for a while, but this has been the Babson WPI MIT Springfield show for the last couple of years. But I dare say this conference comes down just a little bit, comes back to earth a little bit this year. Uh certainly Babson is going to be good. Can they repeat in twenty nine and three and get back to the championship with, with Joey Flannery? Maybe, but everybody else lost a good chunk of their teams.
11: No, they did. They did. Um, I, I'll get to bats in a second. I want to start with MIT, for example. So, you know, I think the, the thing about MIT was that they had pieces left over last year between Redfield and Andrew Racker um, from that 2012 team that made, made the loss. Yeah. Um And I think for Coach Anderson's uh, sake, you know, they, they start tomorrow night against uh, Harvard. I'll be at that game. But um, you know, I think for them, I think it's kind of a nice clean slate. It's you know, they've got a new team here and. Um, You know, some new freshmen, some guys who were freshmen last year, sophomores this year, or even guys that may have been juniors or seniors. You know, they lose. um, You know, Dennis Levine, who is now a graduate student playing at Bryant uh, in the NEC. But, um, you know, they bring back, you know, Russell Johnson. They bring back, you know, senior, um, you know, Ryan Frankel. Justin Pedley. of course, will be one of the lethal guys from downtown. When he's on, there's no one better in that league than shooting three-pointers. The player that I think will be fun to watch who – you know, really was thrusted into kind of a six-man role last year was Spencer Russ. So that's going to be, you know, interesting to see how they do. Um, you know, switching gears to Baston, you're right. I mean, you know, I think Baston clearly, you know, you're walking into this. They will be the number one team. Um, you know, they, all the players know clearly the target is on their back. And, you know, Joey Planner, again, 689 points. That was number three in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, can you do it again? That's that's a tall task, Dave. I mean, that'd be asking you and I to do that again, too. Um but you know, players to watch: Bradley, Jack, Sambo, Miller, Brett, uh, Matt Drone, who came over from Stonehill a couple of years ago. Um, I like Travis Sheldon and their mi- mindset. But then you know, you, you're right. Um, you know, WPI—they've got Aaron Davis back, Sean Doncaster, Zach Corrales, um, Obi Obiora, who came out of the same high school where you know Milwaukee Bucks uh, player Jeff Adrian played. Um, and then you know, you're right. I mean, the question is who's who's up left? You know, who's left in? Um, You know, this is my question for this year's team uh, is Emerson. You know, they've been the fifth fifth team always in the tournament the past two years for the conference. Um, Really impressive class of uh, freshmen coming in, including um, Will Lantier, who played for the illustrious St. Anthony's in New Jersey, played under Bob Hurley, who um, I think you and I both know has got quite a track record for the past 39 years in high school basketball. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting fight. It'll be an interesting one. My favorite right now is definitely Babson. But, um, you know, I want to see what Emerson and, – and you make a good point, too, because, you know, when I was in college, Coast Guard, Clark, you know, Whedon, they were all in the mix. Um, and I think there's pressure also on WPI, so we'll see if, you know, if they can continue to, um, you know, be the number two team in my mind. And I'm interested to see what well, – you're right. With Springfield, the graduation losses, but you can never doubt uh, Coach Brock. Uh, he always seems to have a good system there, and they're always in it at the end.
0: Oh, you never coach. you never doubt Coach Brock. The man <laughs> is the man is a myth and a legend all at the same time. Um, oh, absolutely. Let's switch over to the Little East Conference, and, and it just came out today, uh, unanimous pick for Eastern Connecticut to be number one here. Rhode Island College actually had a good year last year, and I expected them not to when they switched coaches with Bob Walsh, but I know they've lost some things. Uh, Keene State was kind of in the mix, kind of not in the mix. Mass Dartmouth made themselves known. Western Connecticut just could not get on the track. What do we make from this year? Is this Eastern Connecticut and then everybody else?
11: Yeah, I think so. It's going to be Eastern Connecticut. I mean, you look at the the returners, they're they're bringing back. um, And, you know, again, it starts with Preston and Brown and Lamoon, like, you know, Lindo. I mean, look at those. I mean, You you read, obviously, I was reading earlier today, like, you know, that press release. And, again, when you've got guys, four four or five players that are at least in the, the double figures for points per game, um that's tough to shut down um you know they're not albertus magnus they're finishing the top five with uh, the amount of points per game (laughs) as a team um but yeah i think this i think this is this is this is their uh this should be their year and i think for king state i think that's an interesting pick you know again the one first place vote um interested but you're right i think rhode island college is gonna be the next i think umass dartmouth is in the next um you know uh new head coach at umass boston too so you know that's that's a big deal Yes, exactly. You know, Coach Titus will, will obviously still, uh, was a great, a uh, great guy. And I love always catching up with Coach Titus, chatting hoops, and he knows, knows it backwards and forwards. But, um, yeah, that's going to be an interesting to see how, um, UMass Boston does. But, you know, Coach, you know, I talked with him earlier this fall, and he seems very excited about, you know, watching the team compete, uh, on the sidelines. I'm sure he'll be, uh, I'm sure he'll be, it'll be different, you know, transitioning from a, you know, coach to, a, you know, obviously cheering them on. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it's EastCon and, uh, I, I think Rhode Island College and UMass Dartmouth are the, the two dark horses, and you're right. I think Westcon, if they get rolling, I, I win some games, uh, that, that's another team to keep an eye on.
0: Um, when we talk about um, what was it, um, the rest of New England? I mean, come on, we got a ton of conferences here. The rest of New England. Who are the men's teams that, that are going to make the headlines? Are going to capture our attention outside of these big three?
11: Okay, well, uh, I got to go back to one of the teams that did score about 96, about 93.3 points per game. I mean, their core is basically bad. I mean, they, they lost a lot of guys, but that's Alberta's Magnus. So, uh, I like you know, Mark Wilson, Sean Dunbar, Jaquan Walters. You know, those are three players to watch right there, too. And, again, as Coach Oliver said, you know, we'll work to compete to be the best we can be. So, I like them. Um you know, one of the teams that I think is going to have a good year. I mean, you know, they had that uh, exciting run uh, down the stretch, and their play conference tournament was Endicott College. Um, I think Wentworth and basketball might actually take another step forward this year, too. I mean, Coach Gallo, what he does with his squad. Um, you know, I think those are some teams that would be definitely a team to watch. Pittsburgh State, um, picked to be number one again in their conference. And um, I always still like – I mean, But in my mind, I always think Bridgewater State is that number one team uh, along with Westfield State out there, too. So those are just a couple of guys, uh, a couple of teams to keep an eye on, especially in the New England area.
0: Um, Of course, Southern Vermont, another team to, uh, you know, poised to have a great year and doing things in their conference to uh, to try and keep things a little bit more interesting. Uh, to say the least. They are going to be at the Hoopsville Classic, so I had to throw them in there.
11: <laughs> How could you not? <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Uh, let's switch women's gear. Let's go back to the NESCAC, unfortunately, because they are, you know, the NESCAC. Listen, Tufts last year, unbelievable season, 30-3, and 10-0 in conference. But Bowden, Amherst, Williams all had good seasons. I mean, Bowden really kind of came into the mix. After that, yes, Connecticut College made themselves known, but really nobody else kind of, May, made their presence uh, more than a, a glimmer. It seems like it's these same four again. Of course, you can't look past GP Gromacki. Gromacki you can't look past Coach Pat at Williams, uh, and and what Tufts has built is pretty impressive. It seems like it's going to be the same race all over again.
11: No, it is, and it's going to it's going to run right again for Michaela North. I mean, uh, you know, North is a really interesting story. Uh, story. She hails from Duxbury. Um, she was, her mother was a three-sport athlete at Tufts. Uh, her grandfather was a Tufts alum, and her great-grandfather was Tufts alum. So, you know, she's uh, I think she has something said, about Tufts. What?
0: Something it's, about Tufts.
11: Oh, uh, it's something about the Jumbos, I'll tell you that. So, <laughs> um, No, you're right. I mean, uh, she she obviously... I mean, it's interesting. There's a couple of stories a couple of years ago about how why she chose Tufts, uh, Tufts and obviously coached for Ruby, you know, back-to-back semifinals, so... Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, th- this is this is a team that really is not going to <laughs> go anywhere. I mean, when you think about North and you think about other players on this on the squad, um, everyone. And the the thing about the tough squad is everyone on that roster could contribute. So it doesn't yeah. matter whether it's you know uh, they lose Foley. That's a, that's a definitely a tough loss. You know, they lose obviously some other seniors too from leadership and you know uh, Haley Ardenner too. Another one they lose as well. But um, you know, North in my mind is going to be definitely going to be the player to watch. Um, you're right, William. I was actually speaking with a uh, with a women's coach today here in New England, and um, she was actually uh, indeed. And she was uh, Bowden was one of the schools that I voted for uh, in the top 25. And you know, I think they're definitely one. You know, they had, came on they had a great la- uh, run at it at the end there. MIT women's basketball, I know, gave them a good run for their money last season too. Um, but you know, the players obviously to watch for on Bowden starts with Shannon Brady. She's going to be a senior this year. Um, interesting story about Brady. She had never lost. Uh, she had only lost one high school game um, in her career at Situate High School down here in Massachusetts, and that game came in the section in the sectional final at the TD Garden. So um, you know she's a winner. You know that obviously she's going to be the you know the catapult and um, the catalyst behind the run right there too. And you're right. And then you know Amherst and Connecticut College will be teams, of course, to always keep an eye on for too. Um, I hate to go back to to say there's a question mark surrounding Williams, but um, you know, a great freshman asset they, uh, they get there is Lexi Jones, hailing from Wellesley High School. Um, their uh, Her former uh, varsity coach, actually, believe it or not, was a uh, the former boys varsity uh, coach uh, at Wellesley High School at the Raiders. He's a great coach, very involved with that school, and um, he knew from day one when he switched over to coaching the boys to varsity that Lexi's a leader. So, um, of course, losses on the Williams side, but um it is williams and uh so i, I wouldn't worry too much about about, about pat uh, coach manning squad um they're always obviously going to be a, be a team in the run running for it. Is
0: there any dark horse in this conference you
11: know that, that that's tough um i i wonder if, i think i can think i wonder if connecticut college might might be and um uh, i think if you know they had a you know decent run at the end there so i wonder if connecticut college i'll i'll put them as my dark horse for this year
0: yeah, they were certainly on the verge last year. Let's switch over to the new Mac. Yeah, we're repeating that. We'll have a different conference, the third one. Trust me on the women's side. Uh, fascinating race last year between Springfield, Wheaton, Coast Guard, Babson, uh, with WPI kind of lurking on the outside. Um, I, I really can't. I mean, Coast Guard came on late last year, made an awesome run. Uh, well, they win like 13 straight at one point or something crazy like that? But I can't get my I can't get my finger on the pulse of this one.
11: Well, Coast Guard I think is one of those teams that um, they've got so much t- they got so much talent on, on, their, on their squad. Um, they got you know players that can ban the boards, players that can run the court, um, and I, I think clearly they will be a dark horse um, in there. And if you want to think about another dark horse, keep an eye on MIT women's basketball. Um, you know, back to back years of being in the New Mac tournament. Uh-huh. Um, they got a very impress- impressive impressive uh, freshman class coming into, and of course. Um you know they you know they do have uh, Sabrina dramas back for one more year, and you know when dramas is on and um uh, that's gonna that's the one who's obviously you got to stop there too so um you know i like I like to watch let's see what they do um I definitely will say give a plug uh not trying to be a homer here Dave
3: oh come will, on.
11: I will give a plug to, to Wheaton Wheaton because I think, uh, you know, they lose obviously, you know, Abby Brickley, they lose Lauren Pierce, but, you know, they've got Shoemaker back and um, uh, Arnone is also there too. So, you know, those are two key pieces right there in the, uh, the puzzle that, you know, really the Lions, in my mind, could be, you know, one of the dark horse. I mean, they're going to be in it. I don't, I'm not going to call them a dark horse, um, but the MIT and Coast Guard dark horses, Wheaton's going to be in contention. Springfield's in contention. WPI is also in contention. Favor though, um, I know my Wheaton alums will not enjoy this. It's going to be Bass <laughs> and women, you know, they're going to be the uh, the number. They should be the number one team at the uh, at the end of the day.
0: Not <laughs> fighting words, is for for your for your alma mater there. I know. I know. <laughs> hey, uh, we could easily talk about the Little East because you got Southern Maine and some other things. We'll talk about them briefly in a moment. But let's trip. Let's go to the Triple C, the the Commonwealth Coast Conference. Because, you know, this has been fascinating the last couple of years as well, to see the, the, the development of New England, see Roger, or you should, by the way, University of New England, not to be confused with New England College. Um, University of New England, Roger Williams, Curry, Western New England. It, it's not like their their overall records are stellar, though New England's was certainly pretty good last year. But the, it makes her a really interesting race every year.
11: No, it does. It does. Uh, UNE, again, is going to be the team that's going to be the to beat. I mean, they've been, you know... They're a team that's always expected to be in the NCAA tournament the past couple of years. Um, it seems how it seems interesting that the past couple of years also sometimes they somehow make their way down my street here, down tough. Um So I feel like they're usually in the tough spot there too. Um, I like Roger Williams this year. Curry is definitely was a team that um, is definitely on the. It's going to continue to be around, and um, I think once you're New England, um, you know they're going to be young. They got a bunch of freshmen in there too, um, but. I definitely think Western New England's uh, the one. Same with UNE though is that they do lose, um, you know, a couple of couple of key players and seniors, including um, one of you know one of their top scorers last year in Kelly Coleman. Uh, Kendra Dallas has also gone there though too. So, you know, um, Mary Keo who's going to be a senior this year from Providence. I mean, this, this could really be, I mean, her team in my mind. Um, so that's. I, you're right. I mean, I think the CCC definitely is, is getting a lot stronger, um, especially in the New England. You're going to go NESCAC and you go MAC, and then after that, um, all those conferences are in the mix. Um, so I don't think there's a clear, you know, three, four, five, I mean, six. I think they're all in there, and I think UNE definitely is going to be the favorite. Um, but keep an eye on Western New England. Um, and, you know, Wentworth was also another one of those teams that was in it last year in the quarterfinals. Could this be a year where they, where they break through? Um, you know, win. You know, kind of maybe get to that semifinal, um, and can You know, could Endicott also be a team this year too? You know, continue to, you know, with the current success right now with the men's team. Uh, are they now a team that's going to break through?
0: Well, I appreciate it. anybody else on the women's side that that I mean, I kind of hinted it at Southern Maine there, obviously, but anybody else on the women's side in nor- in in the Northeast that we're going to have to keep our eyes on this year.
11: Yes. It's going to be, uh, I'll tell you, I mean, I'll give you one team right now to keep an eye on. And obviously, i will have more, of course, as, uh, as the season progresses, we talk more. But Framingham uh, State, because I think, honestly, that's a team that was, uh, that was I think, um, some may have been surprised to see them make it to the NASCAC championship last year. Now, they had a valiant effort, unfortunately fell short against Bridgewater State. Um, but they got a young squad. They've got uh, players with experience, you know, dual sport that, uh, athletes, too. Um, I, I they were picked to be number one in the conference for a reason. Um, you know, similar again to the men's side, you know, you got to be Bridge Water State. You know, they're they're the Goliath uh, of that conference. Same with Westfield State too. But I, I like uh, Framingham State to be uh, be a team that I think will actually make it to the NCAA tournament for uh, for the act this year.
0: Well, very good, sir. I appreciate that very thorough breakdown of the Northeast as thorough as it can be in 15 or so minutes when we're talking <laughs> about, uh, or maybe longer. Uh, when we're talking about the simple fact that we're, uh, you got what, 13 conferences on either side, 26 total. So uh, I certainly appreciate it. Uh, any final thoughts before we let you go? No,
11: I mean, like I said, I'm excited. It's, it's uh, D3 Hoops season. It's, uh, it's definitely an exciting time, and we've got a lot of uh, great games going on this weekend, and uh, looking forward to being a part of the D3 Hoops Network and uh, with you guys.
0: Absolutely. We should congratulate Matt. He's a writer for us, representing the Northeast. We are up to eight writers it sounds minor, but it, it's pretty major for us. Up to eight writers for our regional reports, and Matt is joining us from the northeast. And Matt, we'll get you on to Hoopsville uh, throughout the season as well.
11: Sounds great. Well, listen, looking forward to uh, uh, talking with you more, and uh, thanks again for the time, Dave.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Matt. Take care of yourself.
11: You do the same. Thank you.
0: All right. Matt Noonan joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Obviously, we'll get some more of those in-depth regional reports from regional reporters around the country when we can. Uh, From different regions. We'll also have different regional reporters from those regions so we can get different takes. If Matt's take is what you heard tonight, maybe we'll hear a different take from um, some of the other guys we know uh, in New England and, and elsewhere. So, You know, a little variety more to the show than just the coach speak we normally get on this show. That's part of the expansion of Hoopsville this season. The other part of the expansion, if you missed at the beginning of the show, we have added Sunday shows in November and December, something we did not do last year. Felt like we were stepping on football a little bit. Really, in reality, we aren't. So we are going to add a 7 o'clock live Sunday show to Hoopsville during november and december that's going to add about five or six additional shows to our november december coverage which pretty much doubles what we were doing um it seems like okay grady doubled it but to us we're going to get a chance to really talk about some stories and some teams that we don't normally get to or we're catching up when we hit january so uh follow us on on twitter at d3 hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville follow us on the website d3hoopsville.com uh, follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash We'll give you an idea of when we're on the air. Obviously, Sunday, 7 o'clock, we'll be working on that. Next Thursday, I should note, by the way, we already have it lined up. The women's um, basketball committee chair will be joining us, Carrie Carolo from Wisconsin-Whitewater. Significance that she is the chair, two reasons. One, Dave Martin was on the committee. You might remember uh, his very first year became chair. He pretty much got pushed right into the chairmanship um, he decided in the off-season that he would stay on the committee but have Kerry take over as chair. He wanted to kind of spread it around, as it were. And then he switched um, from, we were talking about earlier, being AD at Misericordia to being AD at Scranton. And believe it or not, that removed him from the committee because the Mid-Atlantic already had a representative on the committee. So, and he moved from the Atlantic to the mid-Atlantic. So Dave Martin went from committee chair to staying on the committee to, as you'll hear from Carrie next week, at least being there to help her out when she needs it. But we'll talk to her coming up a week from tonight. But again, on Sunday we'll be on the air as well. Listen, we did not talk a lot about the rules tonight. That's again because we had a big special on it yesterday. Uh, you can find that on D3Hoopsville.com um, on Twitter, on Facebook. We posted the the show there as well. Uh, by the way, the show is also available on iTunes. I, I would tell you to search for Hoopsville on iTunes, but when I do it, I don't find it. We do it via SoundCloud, um, and you should be able to then find it from there. But I just know it pops up because my my iTunes account brings in the podcast for some reason. I just don't know how to find it, but we are certainly there. So, so take a look for it if you want to listen to the podcast. But again, big announcement, Sundays added to the show here um, on Hoopsville. Um, want to thank our guests before we go. We got a couple other notes, but I want to before I forget to thank our guests. Uh, obviously, Gray Giovanni from Augustana, Jeff Hans from Thomas More, Brian Van Haften from Buena Vista, uh, to, uh, Trevor Woodworth from Scranton, and of course uh, Matt Noonan from the Northeast. A couple other notes. Beginning of the show, we talked about Lauren Hill, the big game coming up. Obviously, she passed back uh, at the end of last season. Uh, big game coming up on Saturday. We talked about the passing of Jim Shaw. Uh, we'd be remiss if we also don't talk about, and we did not get a chance to talk about this in the first block, capital men's basketball coach Damon Goodwin stepping aside this year to battle cancer. He is going to be battling, or he is battling. He's not going to be. It's not a planned thing. Uh, He'll be battling hairy cell leukemia, which is apparently rare but very treatable form of blood cancer. Um, This announcement just came recently. He's been the head coach at Capitol for 21 years. He is one of the most respected men uh, in uh, at least the the Great Lakes region, if not around the country. He is going to step aside for the year. They have announced an interim head coach, basically his assistant. Uh, while he undergoes treatment, we have reached out to the school to see if Damon would like to talk about his battle. We've been told that he would rather keep it private. We certainly will respect that. He doesn't want to take the spotlight and put it on him for any reason. However, people are rallying. Capital, Ohio Wesleyan, Otterbein and Wittenberg, uh, though on this page Wittenberg is spelled Wittenberry. That's kind of funny. Um, we'll be raising money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society this weekend in games at Obermann old Otterbein I'm sorry and Wittenberg Saturday there's a game five o'clock Wittenberg versus capital at seven o'clock Otterbein versus Ohio Wesleyan then those teams go to Wittenberg and play on Tuesday capital play Ohio Wesleyan and Otterbein will play Wittenberg those games will help support uh, the LLS and raise funds etc you can make a donation uh, on their website Uh, you and we will tweet that uh, website out here momentarily um, you can also go to the games where they'll be selling stuff and collecting donations, etc. So those games will rally behind Coach Damon Goodwin. Of course, we send him our best here from Hoopsville uh, as well. Uh, we love chatting with Coach Goodwin on the show, um, and we loved watching his team and the success that they have. I have a feeling I was on um, um, the basketball show out in the Great Lakes. I want to thank Ryan. For letting me join him the other night to talk about the Great Lakes and how I saw it, I picked Capital as one of my dark horses in that uh, region in the OAC to to do well, and I'm expecting him to do so. So, uh, good luck to Coach Damon Goodwin. We certainly wish him the best, and good luck uh, this Saturday and Tuesday. That nice set of games there again: Wittenberg versus Capital, Otterbein versus Ohio Wesleyan, and then Capital versus Ohio Wesleyan and, and Otterbein versus Wittenberg on Saturday, and then Tuesday, raising funds for the LLS. We want to. Uh, tip our hat to them for that great cause. Uh, we're also are going to have a few more Hoopsville rants this year. Uh, ran out of time tonight. These we're well past when I thought we'd get off the air with this show. Uh, but look for uh, blogs coming up. we got a couple things to talk about. Rants aren't going to necessarily be negative. They may just be conversational-type items. But we'll have some of those coming up as well. But that's going to do it for our first show back on the air uh, for this season. Of course, this is our 13th season. 16th overall, if you count how long we've been around and how many times we've been to Salem. This will be our 16th trip to Salem. But nonetheless, 13th time all season, and we're adding Sunday programming if you missed that earlier. Again, I want to thank all our guests and everybody who joined us. Don't forget, uh, I want to thank D3Hoops.com and, of course, the National Association of Basketball Coaches for their support. Uh, We hope to add another partner here in the next week or so uh, working behind the scenes. If anybody's interested in sponsoring or advertising on the show, please get in touch with us as well. You can follow us and and see the latest news on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or using the hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us, guest ideas, questions, whatever, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, and join us on Facebook at facebook.com hoopsville. Normally at this time, I would say see you next Thursday. But in this case, we will see you Sunday as we will start to also kind of preview the Hoopsville Classic coming up in a week's time. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Certainly appreciate it. We'll be uh, off the air until Sunday and uh, look forward to hearing from you. As well. Good night, and have a, and enjoy the tip-off of the season. In some games starting in two and a half hours, we start the 2015-16 season. The March to Salem for the men will begin, and the March to Indianapolis for the women will begin as well. Good night, everybody.